0: It's time, it's time for a new, completely unnecessary podcast for Wednesday, April 2 2015. Alongside a very kind of a, uh, I don't want to say homely looking Ian Ferguson.
1: I'm always homely looking.
0: <laughs> I was going to say you look content and homely. I'm Pat Contrary. <laughs> I-, I am content. We're going to hit you with at least 90 minutes to 120 of gaming, geek, and movie News and Tibbets and your Q&A Covering On the show, what are we covering on the show?
1: A bunch we, of stuff
0: We'll be talking about GameStop Accepting used retro games and systems again Publishers fighting to keep abandon, Abandoned games dead uh, The Storage Wars Nintendo games lot find On a latest episode The Star Wars uh, Force Awakens second teaser uh, A short review of the Daredevil Netflix series the Batman vs. Superman teaser. Ian's so excited about that one. Olivia Munn casts as Psylocke. Fuller House announced for Netflix next year. And your
1: Q&A. So what's going on in Ferguson Land, Ian? Well, actually, for once, I could probably say a lot. I mean, it feels like it's been longer than two weeks since we did the last podcast. It does, doesn't it? Um, Vonnie and I went out of town to visit our friend Caitlin. And we went to uh, Midwest Gaming Convention and Galloping Ghost Arcade in Chicago. Um, those were cool. Mm-hmm. The Midwest Gaming Convention was very cool because, or Gaming Classic, I think they actually call it, um, because there's no panels or anything like that. It's a big vendor room, and just shitloads of arcade machines and, um, pinball machines literally everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. it's the first convention I've ever been to where I walked into a room and all they were selling was pinball parts.
0: Wow, I don't think I've even actually seen that, even at, a uh, Portland while there could have been one vendor, maybe or maybe a second with pinball parts, it wasn't like an entire room full. Of them.
1: This was so basically the bigger sellers. Like if you walked around the the the, the main, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Hole? Yeah, the main like vendor hall. Um, you know, it was a mishmash, and it was smaller booths, but the bigger. The guys who were big, had bigger booths, or um, were more uh, niche, had like their own rooms. So the the guy, uh, there was a guy from Windy Gaming who had his own room, and I picked okay. up picked up my first Wonder because I need another portable to get into. Um, and then there was another room that was more specialized. It was all pinball parts. It was weird though because like I picked up pinballs there. Um, saves me a lot on shipping. Like, they didn't sell, like, rubber and cleaner and stuff, like, stuff that's integral to shopping a machine, and I could only wonder if it was specifically because they were bringing things that would normally be more costly to ship. Like, they had flipper rebuild kits and mechanisms and stuff like that, you know, solid metal pieces that would be harder to... You know, ship, and maybe that's why they didn't bog themselves down down with the lighter stuff. But it was very cool. And Galloping Ghost Arcade was basically everything I wanted it to be: 450 arcade machines, probably about 12 pinball machines. Uh, While I was there, I did try to beat the local record on Gorgar. They set up a camera and everything for me. Like they're used to that. People set records there all the time, so they just set up little GoPros. Like if you ask them to, they'll set up a GoPro, GoPro. and you just get to go. Um, It was Glenn Danzig's uh, Gorgar machine too. Is actually. uh, misfits danzig uh, oh danzig okay i've heard that name yeah. jesus well you said glenn danzig like i'm supposed to know that name off. The top you of you are supposed to know that name off the top of your head with the word punk in your title <laughs> you're supposed to know who glenn danzig is no. anyways um unnecessarily but i couldn't do it but there was a whole room full of shooters and it was cool because uh they were already like fabricating mortal kombat 10 arcade machines and stuff like, oh for for, for tournament like for tournament play because it doesn't really have an arcade machine. You you, you fabricate you one. And you put a PS4, put a PS4 in, one, yeah. But you know they were looking really nice, so that was great. So there was that. And then I saw a bunch of friends afterwards. I came back and I've been playing Mortal Kombat 10 more than I thought I ever would. Yeah, Mortal Kombat, love that franchise. Um,
0: I've been shipping out DVDs and consoles, and God, just it, this is. I mean, it stinks because. I'm not big enough that I can have someone, you know, do the shipping process for me, but not little enough that it's still not a big pain in the ass. So it's I'm still caught in this in between spot where I got to ship out 300 plus stuff and within a couple of weeks get back to the rest of my freaking life. So you know, I had an old printer. It was uh, giving me my father. It was like my my dad used to buy those e machines and they or bought one like an e machine from like from like uh, what what was it like? Uh, Best Buys, like E-Machine or something from yeah. like 2005. And they gave like a free Lexmark $40 printer. Mm-hmm. And I've used that printer for the past like nine years. And it did a good serviceable job. It was actually pretty quick for black and white at least. It was fine. That's how I, I print my, my postage with like, you know, stamps.com. Because, you know, not just, this isn't an advertisement for stamps.com, but it, it's not just you save money. You save whatever it is, like 15% on on postage. It's the time. You don't have to stay in line while the freaking employees take their sweet-ass time clicking as slowly as they can. And I've been at the post office two hours before shipping in at DVDs. This, I can probably do it myself in like a half hour and just drop it off yes. you know, and save money. Um, so but the Lexmark had to go uh, because it was not good printing labels. And this is the first year I'm actually... I've done labels before, so I'm actually printing the postage on the labels and do, getting all done at once. So there was a printer, an HP printer. PhotoSmart 8250. I'd bought brand new at a a yard sale with my ex. That was like three years ago, and uh, at the time it was like a $250 printer. So I was like, "Oh, I got it for like probably 40 bucks." I'm like, "Oh, this is great. I'll just, I'll either, you know, sell it in the future if I don't use it, or I'll hold it and use it." So I decided I'm gonna use this. This is like a full printer, Um, and I really liked it because. It has a separate black cartridge versus five different colors, so it'll last in theory a lot longer, and it'll be print because because yeah. like, when it's an all-in-one like the Lexmark printer I had, it, you, it, it you, starts a black, drain your
1: cartridge it goes to blue, then
0: yeah. the green, and then to this ugly red, and you got to throw it out. So this was a lot better. So I go to ins- uh, to use this, uh, you know, it's brand new, the cartridge's in there, uh, plug it in, it does the first startup diagnosis, asks the language you're speaking while you're printing, everything else, and then uh, it gets this error code a printer error code, saying there's an ink system error with a code, like a a, a long list. So, oh, this is strange. I'll go online and see what this is. So it turns out that a lot of people have this problem with an ink system error, usually when switching out cartridges. So what, what HP does, which I don't think all companies do this, they code into their ink cartridges an expiration date that the printer will read. And if the printer reads it, being out of date, you can't print on the printer. So, <laughs> so I discovered this, but there's a lot of workarounds uh, you can do for this. There is a way to boot up the machine, holding two buttons to sort of reset it and right. trick the system. Tried that; it, like it displays like this one, two, three, four, five code, and you put it back in. It's the same error. Got a little uh, studious. Looked more, and then there's this method where you literally take the printer apart. It's 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 a little difficult. it'll be like 20 minutes, but you can do it right. without damaging it. Get out the lithium battery because it has an internal battery, I guess, to store this information about what printer cartridge is in. Take it out or put it back in, or I took it out entirely. Screw it, and then try it again. Turn it back on. Same error. I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay. So it has to be the it has to be that you know the printer. I'll just I'll just I'll just order new printer cartridges. I'll I'll just order them. It doesn't matter what it'll co- I'll just order them because the printer only costs me forty bucks. I'll just order new printer cartridges. So you're still coming out ahead. I'm still going to come out ahead. So I go online. I order my printer cartridges, and um, they arrive. I'm like, oh, great, this is fantastic. This is, okay, wasted like three days. It came from California, New cartridge, cartridges. Put them in, get another error message. The error message says, you must use the, <laughs> the ink that came with your printer. All right, so I tweet. Now I'm a little upset because I've wasted like four days, and thankfully I borrowed Frank's printer. Which, of course, I bought for him. But if it wasn't for that, I would have been screwed. Right. Uh, in the meantime, but I wanted to use his printer. This would have been, like, very quick. In theory, this is a great printer. This is like a, this is almost like a business-level printer. Uh, you know, it probably does, like, 30 pages a minute. You know. Um, so, I decide then... Maybe not 30, 20 pages. So, then I tweet at HP. I'm a little upset. Saying this is... I'm about to go off a of space on this. They tweet back at me with support saying, Okay, what's your problem? I tell them the problem. blah, blah. blah. They tweet back saying, oh, okay, this is, you know, this is, a, sounds like a typical issue. We'll just, you know, uh, this is what you do. Here's the phone number. We went back and forth. They probably saw me. I was an NES guy. They asked what what was my favorite NES game. Yeah, I, I tweeted back to any, so in the heat, of course. I saw. So it was a little bit back and forth. It was like uh, gallows humor because I was really upset still right. at, at the time. So they gave me a number to call. So I called the number and then, uh, I'll leave a message, uh, Rabia, I really respected the fact that it's not like the... Okay, oh, I skipped over the fact that I first called customer service. Right. First called customer service, uh, the first time. When I first called customer service, his name was John. It wasn't really John, uh, but his name was John. And then I told him what was wrong, and he basically said my printer was worthless. He basically said that... I basically said, should I just throw this in the dumpster, this printer, due to this error message... Uh, and he said, basically said, "Yes, yes, you should. We no, <laughs> we no longer su- we no longer support." He basically said, "We just no Holy longer support. Shit. We no longer support the printer. We just don't support it." Right. So, but but hey, you can buy a, another printer. Hey, thanks from HP. I'm, okay, then I went back on the Twitter again. Said, "Okay, one of the guys I guess was following me uh, from HP support, and okay, this is a problem. They escalated. Great, escalated. I'm gonna get my own case manager. That's who called me, Rabia. Very nice, very sweet woman." Called her back the next day. All right, let's let's fix this. Let's get down. Let's fix this printer issue. Brand new printer can't use it. Tell her what happened. I tell her uh, original ink was out of date, so replaced it. Then the ink said you cannot use this ink. You have to use the original ink because I guess yeah because
1: I was following it. Is there something like a primer cartridge? They, they claim that you have to
0: prime the head of the cartridge by doing it. I don't know if that's true. I've never heard of this before. No. I think I. it's utter bullshit, personally, but whatever. I think it's a way for them to control what's on the machine. Sure. W- you know, so no one else can get the machine and sell it with other ink, whatever. So anyway, so, Rabia, we go through the options. I, it's almost like it's not clicking your head what's going on. To me, I already know this is a catch-22 about to happen. I've used to say, Rabia, the only way out of this for me is you have to send me introductory printer cartridges that are not expired. That's the only way out of this. Can you do this? No, <laughs> <what> she said. <laughs> so she said, "Okay, we all, but I'll, she said we don't. We this this printer was sold from 2005 to 2010. We stopped supporting it like three four years ago. But I'll talk to someone. Hold on two minutes. Two minutes later, we don't have any of those cartridges. In my head, I'm like, you." you you don't have any You cannot have any that, the But then i, was, but I thinking anyway It doesn't matter Because doesn't those be intro expired. cartridges Aren't available They're not using Any other HP printer anymore So they would have been Expired anyway yes. So I'm like Rabia What are my options Besides literally Just tossing this Out my window Well she said You could try Calling up a local uh, Electronic store Or printer service To see if they have a uh, uh, Ink cartridges Rabia If I got new Introductory cartridges They would probably Be expired <laughs> still she said, Yeah, probably. Absolutely <laughs> worthless machine I have sitting here. It's absolutely worthless because of this fucked up thing they did with expiration dates on printer cartridges, and I looked it up, they said, Well, to maintain the highest quality and to make sure you don't you know gunk up gunk up your you know your printer head. I bought the machine. Now I may not have used, but someone originally bought it new, and if they wanted to use it, they would not have been able to. Thank God I never put this on eBay, not knowing this bullshit, because I would have got a really upset person, rightfully so, saying, I cannot use my new printer, and they would have gone through the same week, week and a half uh, process as me, finding out that there's DRM
1: on printers. I was was just going to say, it's fucked up, you took the words out of my mouth, I was going to say, there's DRM on printers, there's planned obsolescence built into printers now. Yes, at least for HP. Because even if you bought that printer, when it came out and it was new, you would reach a point in time where you would have the problem you had, you had with expired ink. If they bought that
0: printer, I think the, the cartridge expired in 2011. So this was still available on the market new in 2010. Say they bought it, waited seven months. Try to hook it up. No good. They were screwed. Yep. Uh, maybe HP then would have intro cards I could have sent. But it's still bullshit. bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. So I basically end up spending... Uh, money on cartridges that are worthless. I got to try to, like, return them on eBay or just hold on to them. You know, like... That's, that's HP. Just stick a straw in it and drink it like a juice box. I took it apart like an engineer and try to get the thing working, too. I was like, this is cool. I'm going to, like, put it back together. <laughs> and it's like... God damn it. And even HP after that, the support, it's like... I, they even said, well, it's time to go office space, and they're like, yeah, you might as
1: well. <laughs> like, they didn't realize that it's fucked. Right. You know. I mean, it's cute that they tried to have good humor about it, but at least the tech changed, guys. I, because it's not their problem. I it's mean, not it's their fault. No, it's not. It's, it's not. not their fault. And I even told
0: Rabi, I said, it's not your fault. Your company has shitty practices with expiration of ink, which is absolutely ridiculous. I haven't heard of Brother or Epson or Lexmark doing something like that. No. Never. All right. Well. We had a momentous occasion last... To, uh, last Wednesday, two, <laughs> two Wednesday Wednesdays ago, ago. on the podcast, where good old Alan Thompson sent us a gift gift package with uh, with uh, candy, uh, with peanut butter, candy. cup eggs, mm. lots of dum dums we have to take because I don't want them all, and also a, another treat.
1: Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Alan Thompson, my good buddy regular Nintendo, included a copy of DuckTales Remastered on the Wii U. And once someone sends something to me, And a friendly gesture, I can't not at least try it. So I need to preface this before I jump in. And for anyone who's hoping for me to get all sensationalistic and yell, it's probably not going to happen. So, unless you try to, to, you know, do a let's play of it. Well, (laughs) I mean, it it also depends on how emotional I get as I start talking. Sometimes I don't know where my emotions are going to take me. (laughs) Um, So, to start, I hate questions about favorites. But when people ask me what my favorite video game is, I inevitably say DuckTales. It's not just a quick answer to get people off my back. It is literally, no joke, 100% my favorite video game of all time. Of all time. In my senior year of high school, I played it almost every day in an attempt to shave my time down. It was the only game I've ever tried speedrunning. I got down to 13 minutes. Um... I know the levels front and back There's just nothing I don't know about the game So I am going to come at this As I've always said As a far harsher critic Than most So on to the game um, It's made by WayForward Which is a company I don't have a lot of great love for uh, It's published by Capcom And right off the bat One of the first things you're going to notice Is that it looks fucking gorgeous It does. It does look nice Sprites look nice. Um, controls. I'm going to hit on some of the basic things first before I go into other stuff. Uh, I had a lot of people who were iffy about the game bitch about the controls as they had played it at various conventions, saying it was floaty or it didn't feel right. I'm actually going to call fall on that. The game feels just fine. I said that to you when I played it. It felt The pogo no, I- jumping felt fine. Looked- even even the way you can short hop yep. Scrooge, which is very important. Um, even though you can short hop Scrooge is, is, very, is, is very much the original game Mm -hmm. Um, the music for the most part while the Nintendo version has one of the most lauded soundtracks out there um, the versions of the music they did for uh, this one are pretty good so in all the areas where WayForward usually shines, Mm -hmm. uh, graphical presentation and music uh, this really worked Um, what I wasn't expecting from them was for the controls to work as nicely as they did that's about where the nice things stop. Um, the introductory level that they make you go through is boring and painful. Um, they introduce mechanics such as button pushing and like it's they're little things, but these like little trap disarming segments, sure. that just they, they're not they don't fit into the game. Um, the cutscenes, which everyone warned me would probably be one of my biggest issues are just abysmally annoying. Like, I appreciate the voice acting. You guys went out and you got the original voice acting cast like cast mm-hmm. and crew, and the voice acting is, is fantastic. But I don't, I, I don't need that in the game. Does and it break
0: up the game for you, the it, flow?
1: It breaks up the game horribly. Because, I mean, honestly, there are parts where you will stop every minute Oof. for something like that. And you can skip the cutscenes. But the problem is, you can't skip the cutscenes by pressing a button. You have to press Start and then go to the menu and hit skip cutscene. There's no option to just turn them off? I didn't see. I mean, uh-huh. I didn't see one. So I mean, And everyone says, you know, skip them. I didn't see one that just turned it off completely. I, I think there might have been an update that lets you. So, I'm, I I mean, before people flay me, um, I will say that that's possible. Well,
0: we're, this is August 2013. This is the first episode of the podcast, so this is the review Yeah, have been doing. <laughs> so, there is no update
1: yet. So, um, anyway, uh, you can <laughs> skip them, but it still takes... Two button presses, and then a brief second of delay as it transitions back to the game. It's very... It, it's not ideal. Sure. Um, so I go through, and I beat the first level. Alright? Uh, the first boss was kind of fun. It's Beagle Boy. This is the new level, by the way. This is like Scrooge's money bank. Mm-hmm. Whatever. And the first boss is kind of fun, and definitely kind of fits in the, the mold of the original DuckTales bosses. It's repetitive. You find the pattern... It's very easy. So I beat that and I explore some stuff real quick. You know, you walk up to a console and it gives you like a console like it does in the Nintendo game and you pick, you know, from the areas you want to go to. Um, and then uh, it's a cute touch. You can go into his vault and as you beat more levels, more money gets sure. added. And you can you can take a swan dive yeah. in. So yeah. there are there are cute little touches. But I, I had to play a level, and I had to play a level that I loved and that I know very well, and that has a lot of shortcuts. So, I jumped in and I played African Minds. Uh, Like I said, I love that level. And that's when things went downhill. Real fast. Um, immediately upon entering, they tell you to press start to look at a map. And I go, hmm. Yeah, I don't remember these maps. This game was pretty easy to explore, and like... Okay. So So So, you press it, and you look at the map, and I'm like, no. This isn't the fucking layout of African Mines. So, here's kind of how the game... So, immediately what I wanted to do... I started moving through African Mines... And most people know this at this point... But there's that secret where Miss Beasley is, right? And she drops the ice cream down to you... And you can hop across the three frogmen... To get to the big treasure chest... And then skip, like, directly to the boss, basically. So, I go down to try to do that. And instead of just standing under Mrs. Beasley... And getting your ice cream you get another fucking cutscene where she talks to you about making sure you're getting all your health, and then she throws a bunch of ice cream and cakes at you, and then she runs away, and it's just completely not needed. It just breaks up the flow of the game. So I get to the edge, and I'm like, hmm. And I jump. I'm like, oh shit, these frogmen are still here. I'm like, boing, 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 sweet. And I get over there, and there's like a couple of diamonds and a dead end. So Uh, they changed the level layout. They changed the level layout horribly. And here's what they kind of did. They took basically set-piece rooms that people would remember from DuckTales. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, just spots, like larger areas that people would remember. And they reworked them in a way that you have to go through every area of a level. The shortcuts aren't there anymore. The, the exploration is gone. The game is linear as shit. And by making you walk through everything, with all the cutscenes and that, even with skipping and all this shit... We're talking like half an hour for a level that probably should have taken me 10 minutes.
0: So they elongated the game, you'd think, unnaturally to see like people are getting their money's worth. They elongated it in a way that they didn't need to. Well, like adding, like, I didn't like the minecart shit at all. No, no, I, I didn't. Yeah,
1: because, because so, if there's one thing a video game needs more of, it's definitely fucking minecart levels. Yeah. yeah, no, that shit was awful. And the way they were, you can tell where they added stuff yes. in and where Capcom stopped because in the minecart levels, when you're on the minecart, because I died a couple times. And you go off a jump. If you're on a mine cart and you just press jump, you jump and you coast over to the next section of, of track. If, for whatever reason, that's the pit where the mine cart's going to drop out below you and you have to jump into another one and you press jump, momentum doesn't carry you. You just fall like a fucking brick. You have to jump before you hit the pit. And you have to actually press over and, and do it, as, a, as opposed to the momentum. The momentum of the, stops. Yeah, yeah, the momentum stops yeah, I, immediately. Yeah,
0: that, that was my biggest impression. I only played a couple levels on, I guess, I think it was like E3 2013. That was the biggest thing, like, yeah, it's like you're playing the game, and then all of a sudden, new game, now it's the minecart, and it's like, it didn't feel
1: right. right. That was my biggest thing. It, it's so easy to see where the way forward starts, and like I said, the Capcom stops. And all I can, I mean, here's, it's nice, um, it looks okay, and for the people who enjoy it, I, I get it. Um, you probably—this is not going to sound snobby, but you probably did not play the game every day your senior year of high school.
0: So, 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 do you recommend it at the at the end?
1: I think <laughs> no. Here's if you're really into Ducktales, I don't necessarily recommend it because it suffers from it suffers from all the problems that I think most way forward games suffer from. So I, I can't really recommend it that that thoroughly. Sure, but like I said, I don't. I, I can't fault the people who liked it. They're just remembering DuckTales differently than I do.
0: Or may not have
1: the, the same uh, same love or... Right. And my last have. statement on this is... What I would have loved to have seen... Which probably wouldn't have sold as well... Um, just recreate it with nicer graphics. Now I know that doesn't sound great to a lot of people... Because it's a game that can be beaten short, in, in short time. But why not just do what Capcom was doing... With like other smaller titles? Just put DuckTales 1 and DuckTales 2 together without any fucking changes, with the graphical overhaul that WayForward did. Give me a double pack of two really good platformers, people are going to feel like they're getting their money's worth, and then WayForward can still show off their artistic talents.
0: Well, there you have it. That's the end. So, Ian, with a very, I guess, average review at the end of the day. So, uh, man, with with the announcement of Ben Affleck being the new Batman, this has been a really good first CU podcast. <laughs> But I think we should move out of my bedroom and
1: go to the game room. What do you think? (laughs) Fuck off. Um, So, hey, we just talked about DuckTales. Why not roll right into what everyone has been bothering us to talk about? You know what, guys? If there's anything that we know is a bread and butter to the
0: CU podcast, it's retro gaming news. (laughs) So you think that when we (laughs) hear about GameStop starting to accept and and buy and sell used games... That we're not going to talk about it? of course we're going to talk about it so we appreciate the thousand tweets and messages that I got on Facebook and Twitter
1: (laughs) it it was funny because some people were like is there going to be a podcast soon about this what are we going to call an emergency forum to discuss (laughs) we did do an emergency Wrestlemania one last year (laughs) but anyways um, so GameStop is being dumb Um, I'm going to sound biased but I think the points I can make here and the points that Pat will probably make will we'll show everyone why this is really fucking dumb. They're going to start doing this in two locations. New York Pilot, and Alabama. Birmingham. And there's going to be about 250 stores that are doing it. And as of right now, from what I understand, you can go in and sell your old systems. And it was like Nintendo, Super N- Nintendo, Genesis, PlayStation, N64,
0: and Dreamcast. So you're talking you know, late 80s to up to 2000 right.
1: era. So, they will take it, and they're going to send it to a refurbishing plant. And what they're going to do is, from there, they are going to sell the titles online. After testing and repairing? Yes. And, and, and and something I didn't notice that I liked, replacing the batteries. Um, excuse me. They will not be sold in stores, which is something that is actually going to greatly affect what I say later. Um... You can go in, and you can have an associate help you browse the games online. If for whatever reason you, you can't a fucking browse a, a, an internet page, yeah. um, but and they will send them to your door. Which so, is
0: exactly how Funkoland used to do it in the late nineties. By sure. the
1: way, yeah. So I, there's a couple reasons why I think this is uh, fucking horrible. Well, there's a lot of reasons why it's horrible. Yeah, there's, you go first. There's there's, there's there's a lot of reasons why it's horrible. Um, I, I I can just go. Um, the prices... GameStop is... Okay. Selling retro video games is very wishy-washy. There's a lot of fluctuations in prices. Nothing stays the same. So for GameStop to not undersell themselves, for GameStop to make money, they are going to have to shoot for the fucking moon on these prices. And it's going... I promise you, these prices are going not, to be insane.
0: Not just shoot for the moon. That means they're going to offer you a hell of a lot less than you'd offer even e- eBay... Or or a, a mom and pop stop like a pop, mom and pop shop like Luna because it sounds like they're not testing these in stores. So if they're buying a Nintendo for ten bucks, say or fifteen, they don't know if that Nintendo works. They're just going to buy it sight unseen,
1: send it back, and it may or may not work. Actually, so I think get- one of the articles says that they will sp- they will test hardware. They will only spot check uh, ha- uh, controllers and games. It was in the it was in the link with the interview. So I, I mean, they said they will. But I mean, here's the thing: now you're gonna have to train all your employees how to. I mean, it's not that hard, but you're gonna train them all how uh, how to hook up all these retro systems. Okay. And test them, okay. it's dumb.
0: All right. So even if that's going to be true, or they're gonna test everything thoroughly, which I don't see. No. The cost incurred of shipping this stuff to a plant in multiple areas, probably throughout the country, or a couple, hiring people to. Refurbish, which is going to have to be done for some of these, replace batteries on a Dreamcast. Maybe there's a controller port that doesn't work all of a sudden. Yeah, you know stuff like that. Repackaging it up, putting it online. That's a cost incurred that's going to be passed on to what they can give you. Yeah, exactly. So if they, if they, so that that doesn't mean you're not going to be getting you know forty or fifty dollar NESs.
1: Oh no, right. that's not going to happen by any stretch of the imagination. No, and and and. I can offer you 25 cash for an NES. I can offer you 35 credit. I will eat my words, but I, I'm going to guess that GameStop's not even going to approach that. No. Um, Absolutely not. Here's another problem with it. And, and, and this one is one that I don't think a lot of people are thinking of. If they're only selling online... What is the reasoning for anyone to go to GameStop online to get their retro games when they can do eBay and they can still do trades? You're not changing anything. You're not changing the game. All you're doing is giving, putting another online store up there for retro titles.
0: Uh, uh, my pal Chris Kohler at Wired did a follow up uh, interview with uh, a GameStop representative more details about this about what will GameStop buy back. They're going to take in any game console and and first party accessory yes. for platforms. Any Nintendo brand controller, they'll take it. They aren't interested in third-party aftermarket stuff. Again, the knowledge base is, is already going to be limited to what they can have in the, the GameStop system. They're not going to be retraining employees about the nuances of knowing label variants and things like that nature. Um, let alone, you know, repros and replacements. But we'll get into that later. They're going to do a just a power-up test on the hardware. Okay, that's power-up. Sorry. So I was correct. Power-up. Does Nintendo turn on? Yeah. Well, it's
1: still testing something.
0: Sure. It doesn't mean that Nintendo works. It doesn't, no. doesn't mean that Genesis works or that Sega CD works. Uh, visual inspection on the Exeter software. Visual inspection. They're not going to have time to test at a GameStop. Right. 50, someone comes in with 50 games like at Luna, they're not going to have time to test 50 games so, at a GameStop.
1: Furthermore, then, like you were saying, then, if they're only doing the power-up test, that means they're going to offer you even less because they have to yes. assume. they, they, they have gonna, to, A business like them, they have to assume it's broken, they're gonna su- They're,
0: they're going to assume probably 10% don't work, something like that. Yeah. This is the first thing I thought. I got broken consoles. I'm taking them to GameStop. Yep. why not? You're going to take them? Okay, give me ten bucks for my broken uh, Nintendo. Doesn't matter. It's worthless to me now. Um, what happens after that? Um, they're going to reach the location. Uh, it looks like Grapevine. Um, thorough evaluations, like I said, testing, r- repair if necessary. These are all costs and be passed on to the consumer. By the way, uh, make sure that it functions. Check the batteries. Blah 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 blah. Um, this is disheartening to me. If a, battery needs, uh, if a battery needs replacing, they'll do it before it's off for sale. If something is beyond repair, quote unquote, it'll get junked. Yes, which
1: is a shame because you can always use parts of stuff. Well, and it not all systems, not all systems provide usable parts, but there are definitely there are definitely ones that do. Like any NES that gets junked is going to upset me because I can use the shells, I can use the trays, I can use all sorts of stuff from those. Asking since since Chris
0: Kohler is a video game collector like myself, he asks, "What about the condition? How does that come into play?" Uh, there's going to be a single skew in the system for uh, every game. Every meaning game. condition will not matter. Yep. Meaning boxes or manuals. Meaning uh, having the disc case for a PlayStation game will not matter. So it'll I mean, be the just. Do you have the game to play in the system? That's all. It's going to matter in the system. So again, that will mean that. When you buy it online in the system, it will be a crapshoot of what you get. Some people will win. Some people will buy an NES game and get it complete for the same price they have it loose. But you might buy a game, a PlayStation game, and just get the disc and not the case. Yeah. It's going to be a total crapshoot, and that's the only way they can manage this.
1: And well, right, and they, you know, the, he 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 really waffled on that question. I think it, I think it caught him off guard because he's like, well, if it gets to the point where we have like an equal amount boxed and an equal amount loose, then we'll create a separate skew, but it's like, when are you ever going to have an equal amount boxed Never. or an equal amount loose of a game? Oh. You don't understand the own, your own market he, that you're trying to sell to.
0: The representative said, if it's 98% just cartridge or just disc, we may not need to change anything in the system, but that's... If it's, like, a Genesis game, you know how many Genesis games don't have the case, and what you do, it's, it's, it's like 50-50. Well, and I was gonna know. say,
1: Genesis is, like, right down the yeah. line. it's, it's ridiculous why people don't, they keep the Genesis case and anyway. And it, it is getting to the point but, where Genesis games in a case are worth more than the loose oh, the, ones. Oh, they're worth, like, almost double in some cases, if not more. Now, I mean, yeah. Eight years ago, that wasn't true, but now.
0: Um, it's possible that, in quotes, on occasion, somebody will get happy, surprised when they open up the box and find a complete game for the price of a loose one. Um, pfft. So they might have to do two listings, they said, eventually, but they're going to, like I said, this is a pilot test, 250 stores, they're going to see how it goes. He asked Chris Kohler, how do you stop fakes? Uh, It's pretty easy to buy a fake label, Chris says, and pass off your worthless crap as a rare Nintendo game, especially if the GameStop employees are only doing a visual inspection.
1: So I think this is where a lot of things that we've talked about prior are going to really bite them in the ass, and they're not going to deal with it. You can pretend like you're teaching your employees visual inspection, but... Half the people that work at GameStop don't even know modern fucking video games. The people who can spot fakes are people like you, hey. and me, and Chris Kohler. Hey, assholes, I think that no one gets hurt
0: when a uh, repro Little Samson gets made. Get ready for a lot of get, ass hurt. Get ready about, uh, you're going to think, oh, we're going to be screwing GameStop. Uh, they're going to give us money for our Little Samson. Think about the poor fools are going to order from GameStop and get sent a fake fucking game, potentially. But-
1: and, and then, you, I mean, know? you know, if that if that sort of thing takes off, you know, then the whole market gets polluted with with fakes. And Good. Of course, I'm glad people, I'm getting rid of most of my NES collection. And, of
0: course, people that are in favor of repros are just going to blame GameSpot for not knowing it's fake versus the people that are making the fakes. But whatever. Go uh, f- fuck yourself. So, yeah. That's- um, so, that's going to be iffy. Um, they're probably not going to train them on variants. I don't think they're probably going to have different skews for... The, the different two different versions of Metroid, they probably won't, you know. Like, and what if the price start bouncing for one versus the other? Well, this is what Great, okay, greatest
1: so hits versus regular versions. So, this is you know, this is bringing it back to kind of what I like the first thing out of my mouth when I found out GameStop is like a very large, or is, is like a person trying to get through a very small door. That's what that's what retro game sales is going to be like for them. They can't maneuver, an independent store for lack of a better term, has agility. You have to be able to bend and adapt very, very quickly when you're selling retro games. If you want to make any money, if you want to keep your customers happy, and you want to stay in business, you have to adapt on a day-by-day basis. Price fluctuations could happen by the week. We change prices on... Yeah, we change prices on games almost weekly for certain games. So... I just don't think they've, they've got it. Because, well, like I said, the end result of all this is incredibly high prices on all the games. It's
0: incredibly high prices, and they they always have to hedge their bets by offering l- way less in order to make sure they make money. This is a huge corporation. They have tons of employees. They're paying the people at the refurbished center, paying people, paying for posters to mail these systems across the country, potentially. You know, And and so it's I don't see any benefit. The only benefit I see to this, the only benefit, if you're that... If you're that person that ends up getting you order a game and, and you get the complete version of that NES game that's worth a hell of a lot more versus that that's the the
1: only person that wins but that's going to be the minorities is going to win everyone else is going to lose. So I do want to point out that they did say that the return policy is still in effect. So if you get something that you're not happy with, you can send it back. That but that's well, are you still, gonna, are you going to pay for the shipping yourself? Right? Are they are they going to challenge you if it's an expensive game? Well, it's still such a pain in the ass that it's going to if if a person has to do that once, they are probably never going to do that again. They're just going to go to eBay, go that's in the condition I want it. I'm buying. No, plus like I said, you buy a game from GameStop, you you assume
0: it's going to be real. You don't know that you might be getting a fake game or a repro label. Yeah, you know, or or throwing this out there, what if what if they get a um, what if they make a skew in the future for complete in box games, and all of a sudden you have a bunch of fake manuals and boxes. Yeah. What if you? What if they make a SKU for years online for a sealed version, and now you have fake seals getting resold?
1: The problem you know, is they're entering a... It's Pandora's box. They're, well, they're entering a large collector's market, and I don't think, they, they, I don't think that's even crossed the higher-ups' mind. No. They're not entering a video game market. They're entering a collector's market, and with a collector's market brings a whole lot more bullshit that in the end they're going to find they can't deal with. They're, yeah, I, I don't see this going uh, past pilot. I don't. know. I don't.
0: Um it's just going unfortunately it's just going to deplete those two areas uh Birmingham and New York City of retro games because people, you know, you, you say that all oh, people people always say well people are smart, they know what they have. Not necessarily. If you see a sign saying you walk past how many game stores are there versus mom and pop video game stores 10 to 1, yeah. 15 to 1, 21. If you see a, a, a sign you know, say say you're you know, a grandma or something. You know, oh, my grandkid had a N- Nintendo. You see a sign that, oh, we'll give you money for your old Nintendo. Oh, I have that back in the closet. It'll be convenient for you to get out, drive... Give them the hundred games your grandson her and her son had, and you, you're getting pittance for it. Yeah, you know, versus you making money on it, and versus the games uh, not being shipped off to some detention center somewhere, to you know, to come back on the market maybe eventually.
1: I wish I had looked, but it's because the pilot program has supposedly started. There's got to be a there's got to be someone out there who's mentioned what they're offering for, for certain prices. games for like Mario hey, three. I'm gonna throw this out there. What if the, what, what when this pilot ends, they have a ton of inventory? What happens to that inventory? Who are they going to sell that inventory to? Well, same thing with the PS2s. They have no, they they have never documented what they or they've never said what they're going to do with all those PS2s. So then GameStop just sits on a bunch of shit. And then what happens? Do they try to sell the Evade themselves?
0: Winters? Yeah, sell to re- a reseller,
1: a giant reseller like Lukey Games to buy it all, then mark up the price even more. Or
0: fucking absolute
1: worst case scenario, they, they decide it. it's not worth it for them and they junk it. Yeah, I, I hope they wouldn't do that, but I don't see any positive this at all. Absolutely none. No. And like in in in. As the owner and I were discussing, um, just on a base level, the fact that it's online only does nothing to differentiate it. No, and does nothing to does nothing to entice people to go to the GameStop website. It, to get it. All it does
0: is like, like I said, Funko Land, late '90s, early '2000s, when they're still selling games there. It's clicking the see, or, Hey, maybe it'll be a stadium. that's become available, yeah. and I can buy it if it's real and if it's there. You know, that's that's also coming down to What an absolute mess!
1: You can use your store credit towards it. <laughs> So in terms of awful things, um, publishers are fighting to keep dead games dead. Now we'll start with like the current news. What this means is um, games with like servers, games that are attached to servers that have had servers shut down. Uh, the Electronic Frontier Foundation um, is a nonprofit group, and they're trying to. Uh, fight for people to be able to go in there and create their own servers, uh, create their own code, so that these games are playable again. Games like Battlefield 1942, Star Wars Battlefront, the original, SOCOM Four, uh, the, the 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 Mario Kart Wii. Yeah, the argument being, rightfully so, that you bought these games and you should have the right to p- play them. So. You know, allow if you're if you've abandoned them and you're not making money off it anymore, then why are you being a dick? Let these people, why are you you know let these people do what they want to do? It reminds me a lot of old um, abandonware sites, which is why this this Whoa. article interested me. Um, there used to be sites all over that were full of abandonware, which were basically games that were no longer supported by companies or were no longer supported by uh, um, uh, the, the creators. Basically, mm-hmm. no one could possibly be making money off these games Or they didn't care and even gave permission for people to download them. But there were a lot of people who weren't that cool and said, no, you can't have the game up there. Even though there was no way for them to make money off of it, even though the Abandonware sites, like the one I always remember is Home of the Underdogs. um, Is that still around? I think so, but they're largely a store now. Okay. Um, They they don't want you to have it. Which is, honestly, it's just greedy and selfish, and it's them saying, maybe in 20 years we're going to renew this IP... and, and and you'll need we'll need to well this is different though because this isn't um this is just people want the ability
0: to play these on servers so it's not like they're even having people uh download these games for free it's people I that know, already I know. people that already own the games just still want to be able to play them no i know and so they're looking they were looking for this group was looking for the electronic frontier for digital was looking for an exemption uh from the ESA saying hey we're not looking to we're not looking to sell these games ourselves we just want to be able to have servers and run these games because we're, we love these games. We own these games. And the ESA came back and basically said, screw you.
1: Yeah. And I, I it is different than what I was saying. But I brought it up because it's still the same thing. It's people being greedy because they think they might at some point in the future make money off of it again. Even though they're well, not making money off of any of it now.
0: Well, the ESA said that it would... Argue that modifying game code is hacking would encourage piracy, which is ridiculous.
1: That is like saying, because um, I, I read this earlier, that is like saying uh, watching a violent movie is going to make you go out and commit a violent act. That's like saying smoking marijuana is a fucking gateway drug. Yeah. I've modified many systems specifically to play imports, and I've never put a burn in them.
0: Yeah, I I don't I don't see how enabling people to still play Mario Kart Wii, which is a game that's only how old? Six years old? Yeah. How is that a bad thing? You know, how is that... I don't I don't understand that. No, it's, Six, it's, seven years it's old not a bad thing.
1: Way. It's just stupid fucking laws. Um, so... It's a shame. Now,
0: it's... It, 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 it'd be... I'd be... It'd be interesting to see if individual companies would come out and say... Not that I doubt... Not that I think EA will say, yeah, Battlefield 1942 have added. Right. You know, or Activision, or the hell owns it. Um... But it'd be interesting to see care. that some companies probably wouldn't care. So some companies would absolutely not care and say, "You know what? You want to modify the game's code or run your own server? Go for
1: it. We don't give a shit." As far as I know, there's still Fantasy Star Online fan servers, and Sega's never given a fuck. So, so there you go. I understand that these companies, though, copyright.
0: Um, one of the tenets of copyright law is to enforce your copyright. Right. That's always what people forget is that. Now no, I forget that. It's not, it's not just the sort of, well, we're being assholes for the sake of being assholes of a company. Copyright, having a copyright means you have to enforce it. If you don't enforce it legally, then you, they can go to court
1: eventually and say, well, you didn't care about it. you didn't enforce it, so it's okay. Um, so you have to enforce it to some extent. I guess that's what I was trying to say poorly before is that even though they might not be making money, they will protect the property just in case they, they decide to. to bring it back later they just have to
0: like right. they have to the lawyers would go nuts if they didn't protect it because then if they don't protect that one people would then also maybe think that they're not protecting their other properties that's the thing it's just a shame though that this is going to happen with games where they might at least at least the multiplayer f- parts will be dis- will disappear forever now in terms of games entirely disappearing there seems like
1: destiny. Yeah. Well, well, no. Before we, uh, sorry, I was just gonna say, it, it's not. Some of those games are legitimately tied to their servers. Sure. As soon as Activision drops the servers for Destiny, that game doesn't exist. You literally can't. Pl- you can't do anything. It's vapor. Yeah, it's gone. We're in, in terms of a newer, sort of, I
0: guess, uh, console. You can call it or medium mobile games. No one really talks about mobile games or I mean, any or, or computer free to play games that yet yeah, you download these games. They're free to play. They're on a server somewhere. Right. They have your information. They have your login, your account. What happens when those games start disappearing? And now it's starting to happen with well with better now these aren't small games. These are companies put it put out.
1: Yeah. Like, no. These are like uh, Battlefield Heroes, which is a PC game. I think most of these are actually PC, not mobile. Um, but so they're shutting them down and. Need for Speed World. FIFA World. Initially, initially you think not a big deal. It was free. They're shutting it down. No harm, no foul. Except for all these free-to-play games, as we all know, have currencies inherent to them. And people have bought lots of currency. So, it's not free. People have paid for these games to some degree. And when um, they've stated that there will be no refund for funds that aren't used... um, and, you know, what's the point of even spending the funds on a game uh, you know that's going to die in a month? I wasn't even going to address that. I was thinking that video game preservation, what happens to these games? Do they just go
0: off into a void and people don't see them again? They basically do. I mean, obviously they're, they're, obviously some programmers are going to keep these, but in terms of public, not just awareness, but for a historic sense, these games are wiped. Yeah. It's not like, you might get on people saying, oh, you know, uh, collectors, you're hoarding games, blah, blah, blah. But video game preservation, whether like it or not, is part of game collecting. You are at least preserving that game. Yeah, it's there. The games are the games are in here, right? Now you don't have the games anymore. You're playing them. They're gone. They're in. A, they're in. They're in the cloud somewhere. Right. So what happens twenty years from now? Twenty five years old. Ian and Pat want to talk about the good old days of the first free to play games of the mid two thousands. You know, and I you, don't
1: think we would. But anyway. <laughs> I'm just saying
0: they're gone. Yeah, they're yeah. absolutely gone. It's like trying to find uh, some weird
1: DOS game that was, you know, released in a Minnesota town in 1984. It's gone, Wrong. yeah. You know, and it's that. It I mean, I am not really shedding tears over free to play games. I've never found one that's been fun. But the fact of the matter is, it should be documented. And I do feel bad about the people who have, you know, dumped time, money into this. All I will say is, the fact that they're shuttering like three of these, just EA alone. Um, I'm hoping that this free-to-play thing is just coming to an end. You just saw three games with huge licenses. Need for Speed, Battlefield, but even bigger than all of those, FIFA World. Now, it's a sports game which we don't normally talk about, but if one of those should have done fantastically, it should have been FIFA World because of World Appeal, because of the the giant amount of soccer fans on, on the planet. That should have done fine. If that's not doing okay... I, I think that's saying that free to play games are in a different state than they were uh, two years ago, where they were generating shitloads of money for people.
0: Sure, I, I mean, I guess even either either they don't want to support it anymore, or maybe even for the free versions, the ad revenue is not supporting the servers to run these. Whatever, whatever you want to say, it's just a shame that. Maybe this will lead to less development of them. Maybe they realize... Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Maybe they'll realize, maybe, maybe, oh, we're making money in the first three, four, five months. After that, it's not worth their time
1: to even put manpower into making these games. Maybe just fucking release a game and give me a price tag. Or that. that but, I mean, that would be fine by but, me. But still then, um,
0: they reside in a server somewhere and servers cost money to run. You know?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and in, in, yeah, and in stop, very stop course. putting these games on servers that have to like that. Stop it, or stop tying them to servers. Yes, I understand the online, but allow my single player campaign to work. Let me download it. I'm hoping that at some point in the future, Ingenious Hackers um, find ways to crack these things so that they're playable again. Um, I mean, it's probably obviously doable. You can remove the pay-to-play stuff, and maybe we will see them again. But it depends on what people can grab of the code now before EA just makes them go bye-bye. Sure. Um, It's always interesting every, every, I guess, every two years or so,
0: three years, where we see retro games hitting, like, mainstream cable. I fucking hate it.
1: There was, there oh, was, God, I hate it. There this. was
0: some asshole who went on Pawn Star was trying to sell Ten World Championship cards. I heard about that. It was absolutely fucking terrible. It was, yeah. Holy shit. It was bad. But what happened recently was uh, Storage Wars, which is a show me and Frank used to love. It's been on for already about five years. I think six years. What's interesting about Storage Wars is I've met half of the cast. <laughs> like, um... Uh... David Hester, who sued the show, was on the show originally, sued the show, was off the show, back on the show. He sells regularly at one of the flea markets I go to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll talk about that later. Uh, however, uh, there's another guy named uh, Renee who's a piece of trash that used to sell at my flea market, who's on the show as a semi-regular. Um, and then, the the main center pieces of what I'm about to say, used to sell at the swap meet. Um, here. So what is Storage Wars? Uh, Storage Wars is a show... Which is, um, I'll get into whether or not it's real or fake, but it's mostly fake. Um, storage Wars is based upon what people have done for years is delinquent storage units exist everywhere. Southern California and California, for some reason, is a mecca for them.
1: Transient people. It, tra-
0: transient town, yeah. Transient cities all of Southern, Southern California, military cities, people get in and out. So if you don't pay your, 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 your rent on your storage unit, the storage uh, property people take it over, they do an auction. Um, so for years and years and years, this was sort of a, a secret thing that people, most people, didn't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd have people that would literally they go to a storage unit. Um, you'd have people bid for them, but there was an understanding not to bid against the person next to you because hey, we don't bid against each other. We can get a, a storage unit full of thousands of dollars of stuff for like fifty bucks, mm-hmm. and that's how it was for years. And those people then take that stuff, put it online you know, pawn shop, have their own stores or like other guys at my flea market used to do a lot, take it and sell out the flea market, which has less and lesson. So what Storage Wars did was make it into a reality show. And they sort of blew the lid off of people finding out about this done. So what happened to it was um, more people got into it, not just for not just the people that would show up for the tapings of the show, but in general they would show up. And I've talked to storage unit guys that have done this for years and years, and they they fucking hate this show know, for I, exposing
1: the business. We, I, we've dealt with, um, there have been a couple of storage unit guys that we've dealt with for years at Luna, and they can't stand the show. Not just they can't stand it because it,
0: it's gotten more people into it to bid up prices of units that they used to be able to get for 50 bucks, they're now paying 500 bucks for. But Storage Wars does a nefarious practice that, according to the people I talk to, they do what's called salting... The units Now, salting is a term for going back to the Old West where if you had a gold mine you wanted to sell, right? you would blast little specks of gold on the walls. You would salt it with gold. That's the expression. So, you'd bring in the prospective buyer saying, oh, look how great this unit is. A sucker. Give you all their money for a worthless mine. right?" And so, for this show, uh, reportedly what they do, and I'll get into reasons why I think it's true, um, they put Uh, high price items in these units just for the show um, so that people can be, oh, wow, this is interesting. Otherwise, you have no show if you bought a bunch of storage units every week and it's absolute garbage, or, oh, it's interesting, it's just machinery, but nothing cool. So every episode of this show, they find something interesting in at least one of the units, bring it to a quote-unquote expert, and it's worth a lot more than what they got the storage unit for. From, From my dealings with people at the swap meet saying, the stories they have about finding rare art, finding gold, finding Rolex watches, that stuff has happened. Sure. But it doesn't happen every week. No. And so, these stories that have come from you know the storage unit uh, people, they've used that in the show. Okay. But it's definitely not true. Because, again... If if not saying it doesn't happen, but if you know you have a painting worth fifty thousand dollars, you know you have gold and cash. Why and you would need you it, put
1: it in a storage? Why unit? Why would you leave it there? Uh, right. No, that, if you're that hard up for cash. And that's exactly what I was going to say. You <laughs> something. Not uh, everyone it, dies. Yeah. A- <laughs> you and, know. and you're gonna and you're gonna touch on this because this is where we're going. But um, video games are something that I can see being in a storage unit. Sure. Uh, gold, fine art. Sure, maybe once in a while, but. Probably by accident by someone who either died and, or didn't really know what and they it, were doing. And that'd be a story you hear about once a year happening. Yeah. You know, not every week. You know, and um, so
0: the buyers that uh quote unquote found a bunch of this is a, a lot of Nintendo games. It was like a Nintendo system of about fifty or sixty games there. Um, it was Daryl, known as the Gambler. Daryl I've had dealings with at the swap meet. He used to sell at the swap me four or five years ago. When the show first started uh, A&E was filming there before it was a hit, before it was even there. They were filming there five, six years ago. Crews were there, and I even asked, uh, which, and Frank was there, hey, well, you guys are filming something. Oh yeah, we're doing this you know, documentary. And this was like the first episode that they were shooting there, showing what these guys do with the stuff they find. Shows morphed since then in six years. So it was Daryl. I bought stuff from Daryl before. His son's usually there. Frank would always kid about, hey, you gotta don't be so hard on your son. This is during the first season before the show blew up. Daryl um, is a little rough Which I'll get into How he deals with people So supposedly Daryl found 50 Nintendo games uh, And a console And he brought them To get checked out At a store This is what was in the lot If you haven't seen it Now I might be missing uh, Some But these are the, the High ticket items Right There was a Trolls in Crazyland, Land uh, Crazy Land Which is a PAL game there was a stadium events PAL version, which they did not say it was PAL no. on the show. Which is the difference between a game worth thousands of dollars or four hundred or three hundred dollars.
1: And the, uh, the the I mean the guys behind the counter didn't acknowledge it. Like you should know that. Yes,
0: they would have known if they were running a store. A Zombie Nation, A Snow Brothers, A Powerblade Two, and A Bonks Adventure.
1: Those were the marquee games. He had only seen Zombie Nation once in ten years. Or I've seen years. it probably four. I, I mean... I it, found it at the swap meet twice. I know it's rare. I, I know it's worth money, but, but... Excuse me. I found it at the swap meet. I knew someone else had found it at the swap meet. Stop pumping up your fucking penis. I mean, it's it, it's not that
0: hard. So, so, let's just say that the Trolls in Crazy Land, Stadium Events, Pal, Zombie Nation, Star Brothers, Power Blade 2, Bonk's Adventure. Let's just say that's worth, at this point, I don't know, $800, 900 you yeah. want to say that? But
1: no, let's just be crazy. Let's just call it... Let's just call the grand.
0: Because... The grand let call it the grand. NES and 50 common to uncommon games, even with the Contra, we'll say we'll say 300.
1: 100. Is three that fair? Three to four. Let's let let's shoot for the moon. Let's say 500.
0: 1,500 for 50 games. The games we just said were the marquee games and an NES that works. Yeah. We'll say 1,500. That's probably overestimated. Oh, that's it. definitely. They came in with these games, and the people behind the counter said that those games were worth $3,000. <laughs> they were lying through their fucking teeth about the value yep absolutely and so um, obviously they're pumping up Uh, if this first of all if that was a a stadium events NTSC it would have been worth a few thousand on its own at this point if not 4 or 5 or 6 or people were spending on that stupid fucking game this
1: this is the crux of of, of the problem if you you realize that the stadium events is pale uh, suddenly everything they said is bullshit yes if it was a real stadium events then they would have been they would have been probably close or even under but it's not yeah um, so they offered the people
0: uh, offered, which happens in the show from time to time. Where they said, "Oh, we're going to offer you money for it." Then it becomes almost like Pawn Stars. They offered twelve hundred dollars for 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 the the lot, which again, I don't know what money they're making on that, unless they just wanted show pieces, or, or unless they thought they were they were tricking them and it was a real state events. But they didn't realize it wasn't a U.S. version of state events. The whole thing doesn't make any fucking
1: sense. None of it makes sense. No. Well, here is here is what doesn't make here. so so as they get the assessment and they start to, like, pack the stuff up, and the guys are like, well, we can't let you walk out of here with that collection. We want it. And the guy was like, what did he offer, like, 50? They were like, anyways, the, the, the storage board guys were like, 4,000. And it's like, no, no, that's not how. This not. Fuck. That's how negotiation that's works. That's not how it works. Which, you, you just told them that you want to charge them more than what they quoted, which is three thousand at retail, and,
0: which is wrong. But this is how Daryl is. I've I've encountered him where if you show interest or he thinks you know more than him, he thinks the stuff is worth more and he'll bump the price up. I cannot remember what it was I wanted to buy from him. It wasn't even a video game. It might have been software, or something weird, and I made him an offer on it, and I guess he didn't like how the negotiation was going, and so he raised the price on me. But then he did this as well, which is what he did in the show. He did this to me, and I remember this from like five, six years ago, last time, what right, was I saw him. Flipping? So, they said, we'll flip you for it. I'm a gambler. Rawr, that's my name. We'll flip you for it. Five thousand, or five dollars. And I'm I've, in my head, I'm like, okay, even if they, they, the guys even said, we can't make money at 5000 Hell, they couldn't make money at 1200 barely. <laughs> they but, couldn't make money at three. So it, doesn't, it didn't make any sense. And it's just, it's just an asshole thing to do, the show. I have balls and you don't. Plus, I'm going to just, of course, they give these people money to bid on these auctions. So for him, it doesn't matter the 5000 or five dollars either way. It's just for show. Right. You know that's so why he can do it. That's why because, he can do it.
1: Because he sure as fuck wouldn't do it if it, if he if no. actual money of his was riding on the line. No,
0: if, if he knew the games were even worth three thousand, he was gonna risk three thousand for if I was just be doing it just for show. Um so but before anyone gets on me for, for the show I was on, if I was first of all, the the the, the values discussed with my games were real values. Sure. First of all, the offers were real offers. The counters were real. So this is entirely different. Um so what, what what why it's a shame? Because this is what happened when the Yahoo story came out in 2010 about mainstream uh st- news people think they have gold. And when you and when you overinflate shit that's totally fake like this, this isn't like a Nintendo World Championships that no one has. This is people thinking all my random games are worth $1200 or $3000. My yeah. stack of 40 Nintendo games. And
1: that's and that's what I was going to end on and you stole my thunder, but that's exactly what it is. This is another this is another partial-sealed stadium events found in Grandma's closet. Yeah. This, is going to, this is going to cause me to have to deal with people who think that they have $100 copies of Zelda for the next six months. And it's going to happen. And it's going to happen because another store, somehow, and they've been in business for ten years, have no fucking clue what they're talking about in terms of <laughs> pricing. They can't, they can't identify a cartridge. Um, maybe they were overexcited. I mean, I will. I'll, maybe they were overexcited. You have to know what a PAL yeah, game is. Yeah, you have to.
0: If you have to know, the trolls and crazy Land is not a US that's game.
1: The, yeah. Um, and it's just yeah, it, it's it's gonna fuck stuff up if people watch this because that's what happens every time this sort of thing happens with the games. The prices for the games get they they blow it all out of the water. Like they make it seem like the biggest find, and then every mom and pop store in the country has to deal with this bullshit for six months. Sure. Ian, were people doing this after my Paul Stars appearance? I don't know, Pat.
0: Probably. Maybe. No, probably not. <laughs> Thank you. That's all I was going to say. Plus, the one thing about salting salting the units, they basically, the producers actually came out and admitted it because of the lawsuit, going back to the lawsuit. David Hester sued because David Hester, who was one of the original people on the show, who sells uh, uh, at me sometimes, didn't like the fact, not only, he didn't like the fact that they were paying other people on the show in order to bid up the stuff, he didn't like that they were salting the units. He right. thought he thought it was bad for the for business. He was trying to actually be ethical while being on the show. Uh the way they got around it, because David Hester's defense uh, or 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 uh litigation was centered on the fact that, like the quiz show saying this is supposed to be like trivia. This is supposed to be uh knowledge contest of knowing what's in the unit and getting it. You if the, the, when you start fudging it, this show is false. Right. So Amy basically said, Okay, it is. What are you gonna do about it? You know, what you know, basically saying no. It's not like a trivia or game show. It's just, just like we're just showing what can happen. At, you know, at, in these
1: storage units. So, do they, I mean, I've never, I've never actually watched an episode of the show. Do they actually say now that this is a fictional representation of? They've never said that. But I'm, but don't they have to then? I mean, legally? No. Why would they have to? I don't know. I guess. Maybe I just, you know. I don't
0: know. But basically, I guess David Hester, he's back on the show, so I, I guess everything's fine now. But. That that's the situation uh, with the game so yeah, go, try going to storage auctions. I know people that done it and now they said it's a fiasco versus what it
1: used to be it's absolutely dreadful oh, it's probably like going to a pinball auction these days where things used to be reasonable and now they're all blown through the roof a bunch of teasers
0: came out uh, but we're going to talk about this one first you may not realize Ian but there's a new Star Wars movie coming out in December uh, yeah. <laughs> you forgot about it last time it's episode 7, The Force Awakens. Which which is interesting because in the promotion so far, they're kind of not really putting the episode 7 on it, just having The Force Awakens yeah, for the most part. Which is interesting. Interesting strategy. So this is going to have the original cast is going to be back in there. Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, even P- Peter Mayhew was Chewbacca's coming back. You know. Um, so the first teaser was like, okay, this is interesting what's going on. The second teaser blowed people fucking away. Like, they they couldn't they couldn't help themselves. You know what? I was one
1: of them. I was. I was. I was sold seeing this second teaser. Here's totally me. sold. Here's me. I. I don't have a lot of investment in Star Wars, but I did watch I the teaser, and I, I really don't. But I, I watched the teaser, and I wished that I could get as excited as everyone else was because it did look good. It. It does. I mean, in my mind, even though I'm not like I said invested that looked like what a star wars movie was supposed to look like there you have it that it looked like it, what a star wars movie was supposed to look like and the it, i bet it was comforting to a lot of fans um especially like that last line uh where um spoilers harrison it's a fucking i'm being i'm kidding okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> but, fucking <relax>. teaser <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, when Harrison Ford says, Chewie, we're home, yes. I mean, that means so many different things. That's, yes. that's not just... That's not just, we're in the movie. Yeah, that's, that's. don't worry, guys, we've got this. Yes. That, that's At least that's what they're trying to imp- imply.
0: Don't worry, guys, we're not going to fuck up like Lucas did. Right. That, he's, <laughs> he's got his billions, he's far away. Yeah. Un- un- Uncle, Uncle Mickey's going to take care of you. Yeah. That, and that's, you know what, I think subconsciously, that's what people thought, too. This is what I'm going to say about the trailer: is that um, you have Mark Hamill voicing about "I'm a Jedi, my sister's a Jedi," and it was interesting because people couldn't didn't realize, or they're still trying to figure out if it was just from Return of the Jedi or if he actually redid the lines. And people are debating that. Well, they're not; he redid the lines. And they just picked them out because it did sound a little bit different, some parts. But just seeing the the, the hands of a Luke, just it, like, "Oh shit, this is this is this is Star Wars." Okay. Um, and then yeah, you see the Munny Falcon, you saw it in the first teaser. But just the, the tone of the action and seeing real sets,
1: seeing them running in a seeing the new characters run in a desert with explosions. X Wings piloting through tunnels. You know, st- stuff like that. Fighting um, ties. I mean that I mean that's right, fighting exactly. ties.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it but was you know what it was it was a feeling of not reckless abandon, but of almost like a celebration, yeah. this teaser. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Because the first teaser of course every people will just say, Oh, you went apeshit over the first Phantom Menace teaser in ninety nine. Yeah, most people... Or, excuse me, that was 98 it came out. Yeah, most people did. But when you look back upon the reaction, you know what most of the reaction was to that first
1: Star Wars teaser? Seeing a double lightsaber Later. with Darth Maul. Well, that was the big part of that teaser. Well, I think... That people enjoyed. I think Star Wars fans have also learned a lesson. Back then, I think Star Wars fans were probably more open to seeing something different. Anything. Anything. They just wanted anything, and they were open to seeing something different. They saw some cool things like snippets pod of pod race and the double lightsaber and Darth Maul and they're like okay we're this, gonna do this yes. I think Star Wars fans are a lot smarter than that now. Oh of course, oh, of course. Now, now now, the trailer is out there showing them staples of the universe they love. Stormtroopers X-Wings
0: that Not just thing. that, the look and feel is of the original sure. trilogy yeah, sure. Not just because it's an extension of that it's whatever it's supposed to be 25 years later or 30 years later, 35 years it feel, First of all, it's shot on film yes not digital anymore fuck that uh, the am saying we're going for film we're going for a grittier look film we're going to do it obviously models being used again obviously lots of sets See, that always- not just green screen so they're basically saying uncle george you're go back go back to the basement we're yeah. gonna, we're going to do it the way we think we should we do it
1: when they said they were doing models and i mean and i think you're seeing some in 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 that trailer um it made me so happy because you can look back on the original trilogy, and it still looks good to this day. The return, the, the asteroid chase looks
0: amazing. Still, the return, of the Jedi uh, final space battle is absolutely outstanding. Yep, absolutely. And, I'm not, and, I'm, and obviously, we're not saying you need a guy to take a model and move it, but make the model and then scan it at least. Yeah, and that'll be a hell of a lot better than having a guy, you know, program it in and sure. draw it in. You know, the, there's obviously there's people use. I mean, Peter Jackson used models and miniatures and whatever they call the bigotures, you know, whatever they, what, <laughs> sure. what are they called? You know, I, the, I don't know. The but... full size miniature, you know, for the statues. And it's just, it's real. It's there. It's tactile. Besides the green screen, besides a guy like J.J. Abrams, Abrams, who's not just sitting 30 feet behind a green screen, looking at uh, uh, his minor yelling action, and not interacting with, with, with his actors. Right. You know, he's an actual director. People forget that uh, George Lucas, has, first of all, he's only directed uh, like, I think like four films overall, but in between Phantom Menace, and Star Wars, he directed nothing. Yeah, for twenty for twenty plus years, he came back rusty. He came yeah. back not knowing what he basically not knowing how to direct actors anymore. Mm-hmm. Besides, if he knew how to direct them to begin with, who knows? That's a lot of people will argue. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people say that Star Wars came out of the edit. The first edit was disastrous, supposedly. Then they recut the entire film. Then there was something there. Wow, and, you know, and thank God for John Williams knowing how to I didn't know write that. an excellent
1: score. Yes. Um well, the score is a big part of that movie. Oh
0: yeah, there's there's complete scenes of Star Wars that are available, like when he's hanging out with his friends on Tatooine Luke that are absolutely terrible. That thank God they cut this out. Like, Ooh. like yeah. Anyway, um so the other thing about this trailer is that the characters are having fun. Yes. When you have the X Wing pilot going, Woo, and feeling it, you're like that didn't happen in the entire prequel trilogy. A moment like
1: that. There's a light-hearted mood to the whole thing, and I'm sure. I'm sure the movie is going to have dark moments and all that oh, stuff. Of course, but, but but it's it's not going to be this grim, dark Zack Snyder bullshit. And we'll get to that. Well,
0: it, well, it's not going to be some over-the-top you know, diplomatic policy framework of of the prequel trilogy about a trade federation and a dispute over over taxes. Yeah. That was the framework for the <laughs> for the entire prequel trilogy. People forget. The first lines of the of the scroll were about a trade <laughs> dispute. Yeah. And it's like, okay. I think they in the prequel they sort of lost the plot, at least George did, that people watch Star Wars for the characters embroiled in this larger conflict. They don't give a shit about the larger conflict on its own. Right. It's the characters that, and it goes wrong with, they love the characters inside this larger universe. And that was sort of flipped for the prequel to some degree, where they try to frame the movies as this trade dispute, and all the politics with the characters inside that story. Almost like a Tom Clancy, you know, freaking story. Totally wrong. Not just that, people forget, my favorite character is Han Solo. And yes, I got a teeny bit misty-eyed seeing Harrison Ford and Chewbacca there. I don't care that they're 70 years old. I don't care that Harrison Ford... It doesn't make sense for Hansel not to have settled down by then. I don't care.
1: Even I thought it was cute. I mean, it very was much so.
0: And like I said... We're like, in the same outfit. It's like it's like a like grandma wearing what she wore when she was
1: 20. doesn't matter. I mean you know. this legitimately... <laughs> I'm not trying to be cynical. I just I really wish I could have experienced that the way a Star Wars fan experienced it, and I'm happy for Star Wars fans oh, yeah. because that looks like it's going to be something that's going to be great for them. Yeah. Um and I'll probably see the movie. I mean, I, I mean I know this, I know I will. And this, but- and this isn't a bash
0: on the prequel, which is totally easy, but Han Solo was my favorite character. There was not one Han Solo type character in the prequel trilogy. No. No down-to-earth, roguish Devil may care guy doing what he wants. Someone you can actually relate to. Because after all, I think Jedi Knights are boring. Jedi Knights are sexless, humorless, chaste monk knights. Yeah. That's what Jedi's are.
1: Yeah, they're not. <laughs> they're, they
0: are Buddhist monks with with laser swords. That's not interesting to me. I'm sorry, it's not. And it was always creepy that the prequel trilogy sort of exposed them as being a little bit arrogant and sort of. Why the hell is the republic listening to these guys in the first place? Yeah, you're it's almost to like root it's, for them. It's almost like a theocracy. Yeah. It's almost like they're religious. It's a religious order basically and they're helping run the, the the republic. It's the
1: whole thing I think on paper sounded better than how it actually played out. Right because the the the, the Jedi of the um of, of the original trilogy were they were much different attitude-wise than in the prequel. Well and, there was only a few of them but Right yeah. but still, you got this sense that they were almost Zen or Dao-type ma- type masters, you know, who who were using the Force to find peace and, you know, ward off evil. Yeah. And in the prequel, no. Yeah. Even Yoda became sort of a dick in the
0: prequels. He was this awesome carefree character. Yes, he had his, his moments where he was serious, but even in the prequel trilogy, all of a sudden, Yoda's like an idiot. Mm-hmm. He's an idiot. He's no, he can't sense anything happening. He can't sense that Anakin next to him is going to be the most evil guy. The whole th- it's just, uh, just wacky. So yeah, people forget about that, that there was no Han Solo, to- Han Solo type character to sort of ground that trilogy, and what you're left with is seeing Anakin, who... that's a whole other story. Yep. So I'm excited. I'm excited about episode 7, and I'm excited about uh, Rogue One and Episode 8 and everything going forward because, uh, like we said before, Disney cannot afford to have uh, another prequel tr- trilogy. They'll lose billions of dollars. They have to not just the video games. These movies they have to pump these out. One, I guess, every year they're going to be doing it. They're going to make their money back. And so far, knock on wood, cross your fingers, hit Eden in the head. It's going to turn out hopefully well. Um, real quick, you haven't seen it yet. You didn't do your homework. I but- haven't had time you, me and Frank watched about the first four episodes of Daredevil on Netflix. And trying to go spoiler-free because Ian's here. It's it's It hit the expectations I had and went a little bit further than others in terms of... Uh, t- talk about slow burn. When you have 13 episodes, this isn't a two-hour movie. You can really give it time to establish your character and sure. it out.
1: I mean, that's what I've heard. I mean, I haven't heard anything but good things about it since. W- very well casted cast. I'm going to bring it up right now, because I don't
0: know, besides Charlie Cox, the lead, very good in the lead. Uh, I can only imagine D'Onofrio's got to be
1: fantastic as Kingpin. Uh,
0: yeah, not exactly, he's the Kingpin, I guess, I guess the Kingpin's never a, a character that, obviously there's there's a few big arcs with him, but I think they had more freedom to do a little bit more what they wanted him, but he's the Kingpin. Yeah. I mean, he's he's diabolical. Sure. But they gave him, I guess, more human, a human side as well. You know, like the, which, they, which you have to if it's a thirteen-episode arc. Yeah, it can't and be just, a one-sided villain. And in spoilers, he doesn't even show up until like the end of like the third episode. So it's. Like, I kind of figured that he might not. So they're giving it time to go. Um, the actor who plays Foggy Nelson, outstanding, uh, very funny. The chemistry between uh, him and Charlie Cox. Uh, I think is, is it held Elden Henson. I believe it's uh, yeah. Someone will correct me. Very good. Uh, the humor's there. The the action. It's hard to be quote unquote realistic when you're doing a superhero movie. But then again, this isn't really a superhero. This is just a gymnast slash martial artist. It's a vigilante. It's as good as you're gonna get in this sort of genre in terms of realism. These these are not clean. You duck one punch, I punch you. This is brawling. This right. is you're gonna get fucked up. If you decided to do this in real life, you're you're not coming back. You know free you're going to get bruised you're going to get battered you see that from the first episode on you get hurt right doesn't mean you can't beat up people but it's not going to be easy mm-hmm. like it's interesting about this series is that when a daredevil beats up a guy he doesn't necessarily stay down he gets up again which is what would happen in real life yeah. and again and so it's like holy shit this is like a watching a brawl on the streets you know it's very it's not as clean as oh I do one kick in your in your game. yeah this is getting up inside protecting yourself Hammering away, getting punches blocked, some grappling on the ground. It it can get it's it's gritty. It's gritty. I hate using that word, but it's gritty. It's also very violent and gruesome. It, that exceeded my expectations. We're talking decapitations. We're talking in, people getting stuck through the head with spikes. We're talking going inside people's bodies. Like this is like. I don't think this, this is borderline, like this would not even be rated R. This is like hard, hard R. Right. Like, gore. like this is gory. This is gory stuff. So it's interesting that, first of all, it's interesting that Marvel went in this direction and said, screw the kiddies. This is not a kid show at all. Right. You know that from the first half hour. But it's interesting that they're, they're letting themselves do this with a series like this, which, which gives you great hopes for them doing, obviously, Luke Cage, I'm so looking forward to what they're gonna do with Iron Fist. Oh, that's
1: that's all I want. I, uh, Iron Fist is one of my favorites, and I, I the, the the most recent run I did not care for, but um, Iron Fist in general is one of my favorite characters.
0: But they could do a Punisher series with the level of violence that they could obviously have showed in Daredevil, well suited for Punisher. They could do that. That would be well suited. Sure. Um, and it's also great because it's there's multiple obviously 13 episodes. The, the, Everything's weaving in and out. There's multiple. You have hour-long episodes. They're about yeah, fifty minutes. Fifty. So yeah, you, you have the Russian mob. You have the the triad, Chinese mafia. It's all over the place. Again, I'm only four or five, four or five episodes in, and hell, he, he's not even at his his quote unquote quintessential red costume yet. Which right. is one of the other things I liked about it, is that they're doing a slow build up. One of the things I will spoil is like even in the first episode, he's he's bare knuckling guys. And by I think by the third episode, he's realizing, hey, I should be taping my fists, right. You know, so it's like there's a progression
1: going on there. He does he's not even using weapons yet. You know, like he's still discovering these things. It sounds a lot I mean, it also sounds similar to me to um I don't know if you ever read it, but uh Batman Year One.
0: Well, supposedly there's a Man Without Fear series that uh is this is based on which is sort of the Daredevil version of that Okay, him just starting out because it is starting basically almost new from the first episode. So, Ian, check it out. Basically, people listening have already no. Erdiva, Erdiva.
1: Vani and I—I uh, I mean, so we we have every intention of watching it. It's just we'll probably start it maybe this Monday, get a couple episodes under our belts, and and we'll probably have it done within a week. I'm not much of a marathon TV watcher though. No, I only do like four episodes in a row. Uh, you
0: have Vincent D'Onofrio, you have uh, Rosario Dawson. We share a birthday, so we're connected like this. <laughs> and you know what? I don't think they, I don't think they officially announced a second season, but I
1: think they're going to do one because why not? You know what I mean? The only reason I can see them not doing a second season is if they want to give more heroes a chance or they want to intertwine the heroes with other heroes and, and, and kind of well, make they, a mini universe.
0: Well, they are trying to do the, the new Defenders with Daredevil and then uh, Iron Fist, Fist. You're right. And then Luke Cage. And then, uh, was it Jessica Jones? is going to be the next series, I think, in the spring coming out. Or no, later this fall, I believe. Um maybe next year anyway so check it out Daredevil I I, I I like it Marvel right now obviously is firing on all cylinders in hell I'm not even I, I, I mean I'm gonna see it I'm, it's gonna be good I'm not even looking forward to Age of Ultron in a couple weeks Not even. I'm not even like 10 days away I gotta, it's not even on my radar
1: we're going but yeah what is on your radar Ian? <sighs> you know what? I'm gonna take a minute I'm just gonna talk about it real quick um, It's it's more on my radar than it was and I don't think I'm gonna watch it uh and this will probably not end up as a segment but uh I did watch the uh Fantastic 4 trailer and you know what I think precisely because I don't care for the Fantastic 4 precisely because I don't really know a lot about them I'm actually a little bit more interested in this than I was and Doom this is the big thing Doom did you see Doom he didn't look like a computer hacker to me or a blog writer. Like it almost looked like they were like, they looked at the backlash and were like, "Oh yeah, that's really fucking dumb." Let's change it. Did let's, we change it? Let's yeah, let's change it and put Doom in there as well, Doom. Maybe he's still a hacker, but now he uses a suit as well. I mean, I think he always had the suit, but I think the backstory is what. I, I mean, yeah, sure I'm not it. I'm not going to dwell on this trailer for too long. But I got a better, I, I for whatever reason I felt like I liked the characters better. Maybe it's because. I just feel a little bit better and I'm gonna be a little bit more generous to something but i, I I'm not well, gonna go see it in theaters but I'll def I, I think at this point yes I will probably watch it well the tone is still all horribly wrong I mean, yeah, that's what it comes down it to. it is but that's what I'm saying like I, I just I decided to stop looking at it as a fantastic four film and I will probably check it out um, one that is totally not on my radar <laughs> uh, uh, what what movies not on your radar Ian? uh fucking Batman v super uh, Batman v Superman v uh, v be dawn of justice uh dawn of justice uh the new trailer i guys he's oh it's it's dark it sucks (laughs) it sucks it's fucking awful um and i can't get that much more worked up than that because i've been saying that it fucking sucks since day one and literally the first day we did a podcast I've been against this movie. First podcast. Yes. And it does look like more grim, dark bullshit. Why can't a Superman movie ever look like it's going to have something positive in it? Not from Snyder. We talked
0: about Daredevil being gritty. That takes place in Hell's Kitchen, and that's what the character is. And
1: Daredevil's supposed to be gritty. Yeah. And Batman's allowed to be gritty, but Superman's in it. And really, this is not a movie that should be fucking. Just like, well, it's so, it looks so stereotypically Zack Snyder. Well, the
0: problem is, is that Man of
1: Steel was dark and gritty, and that was the problem. Yes, and because they started on that bullshit fucking movie that was dark and gritty, they have nowhere to go. You can't go lighter. Every shot. Of Superman in that movie looked dark. like a beaten, whipped emo boy who had—I <laughs> mean, w- it was dark. The fucking statue, Great tones. the fucking statue with the words "false god" fucking spray <laughs> painted on it. I nearly barfed. I'm like, what are you trying to make? Uh, 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 positive things. Um, the Batman suit looks cool, and I liked uh the voice modulation for Ben Affleck.
0: I thought I thought the modulation only made sense because he was in that sort of. Dark it was like the Dark Knight Returns. It, it was the Dark Knight Returns suit. If you read the Dark Knight Returns at the end, yes. that's the suit I li- yes. has on.
1: And and I I liked that suit. I liked the way Ben Affleck looked. And, but it's everything so somber. Yes. And end of the fucking world. world. Can we have Superman save a
0: cat out of a tree or something? Can we just? Does everything have to be gray toned? And uh, for, I'm just gonna say it. I know Affleck. He's redeemed himself with with the new movies the past few years. Uh, the town. Um, he had the one. He won the Oscar for for best uh, director. Uh, which is the case right now because I'm really tired and sweaty because we don't have the fan in the room. Anyway, he he's redeemed himself. I don't buy him as Batman. Still, I still don't. I'm sorry, I don't. Uh, he's he's given this grim
1: look at the suit. I don't buy him yeah. as as the like, you know psychotic vigilante. I just don't. Why am I trying to find nice things to say about this? I don't know. It's definitely a sign of a turn in my head, which is fine. No sunshine in this trailer at all. But the there way. isn't. The, the, the whole thing is just dark bullshit. Like I said, the only nice things I can say, I like the Batman suit. People people were comparing it to the Lego Batman, which is so funny because it does look like it a does, Lego It actually does. <laughs> look, now I'm not going to be able to look at it that way. <laughs> it's, it's I'm Star- not, Star- not going to Star- to look at it
0: anymore. The big ending to this is the Batman suit. Again, this is like the end of Dark Knight Returns. Uh, the graphic novel, which I wish they ever made. Oh, actually, i got to see the cartoon still. A cartoon movie. But, uh, Affleck Batman with a voice modulator, which is, I guess, better than Christian Bale doing it and and losing his voice somehow. Do you bleed? You will. Will. Then why are you asking? If you
1: know the answer. Is Batman the type that would actually say something like that, now I think about it? No, I don't think so. He he doesn't taunt his enemies, he just kicks the shit out of them. That's what I was going to say. In Dark Knight Returns, I remember them basically just Batman didn't say a word. In his head, he yes, was thinking, they, they just threw down. finally, after all these years, Clark, yeah. fuck you. But he didn't say anything. They just threw down. They just fought.
0: Again, uh, no, great. Snyder doesn't even get Batman. You think he he doesn't get Superman, he doesn't get Batman anymore. No, he
1: doesn't get either of them. And, uh, well, this he, is what I don't get. He's not going to get a fucking Batman I don't care.
0: This is, this is for all the comic fanboys about the way if Batman has preparation time, he can defeat anyone, and all it needs is some kryptonite. I don't fucking care, still. A Superman versus Batman fight's not exciting to me. It's just—I mean—it's not because you—you you know that Superman's
1: holding back, and he can kill Batman in a, in a nanosecond if he wants to. And you know where it's going to go. You know that the fight's not going to fucking mean anything. They're going to team up because they're going to team up. It looks like this
0: movie's going to be about you have uh, Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor saying some stuff, and I don't buy the voice. He still sounds like that kid, you know, the the, the kid from you know uh, Zombie Land. Mm-hmm. I was confusing with Michael Cera because to me they're the same person, <laughs> but um. He says, you know, oh, they're going to turn on you because you're more powerful. Blah blah blah.
1: I don't. Think, first of all, I don't think. Was Superman ever let a statue like that get built? would he be comfortable with that? Anyway. No, I don't think he. And that's the other thing. People don't get it. I don't think he'll. Yes, I don't think he wouldn't let people look at him as a god. They right in the beginning where they're talking about this. Superman wouldn't let people hold him in that esteem. He would disappear. Sure. He would come back to save you, but. I mean, he Superman's not. Yeah, he, he he. That's not what he's looking for. So I'm not saying this whole DC universe
0: cinematic continuity is going to be a failure, but, but again, Snyder is not the guy to hold it in your palm in
1: the palm of your hand. He, he just says, Well, there are people out there who fucking love the guy, but I I have to question their taste. So we'll see you again in, in three four months of the Comic Con trailer comes out oh, for more e-commenting. When the hell is this coming out? Can it just be over?
0: Well, I pushed it back uh, a couple weeks to get away from Civil War. So it's I think it's next May or June. It's coming out. Oh, okay. Or April, around there. It's, it's around there. That's ah, it. What about
1: any thoughts on Olivia Munn being cast as Psylocke? I'm not even sure this is a topic because it's not going to be longer than a minute. I think it's fine. Is this stunt casting to you? No. I mean, not really. I mean, whatever. It, it, Psylocke's role, I don't even know what it's going to be in Apocalypse. Uh, because the X-Men movies lately, though good, have not stayed particularly faithful to, to Not into. Well, not at all.
0: She, I mean, she could show up for maybe 30 seconds. A Gambit's going to be in it. You know, we know that.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, dude, I, I, I have nothing to say about this. Tanning, I don't Tanning, care. Channing Channing Tatum? Channing Tatum? Channing Tatum. I like Psylocke as a character in the books. Um, I don't think Olivia Munn is a bad fit looks-wise. I just, I mean, I don't know. What am I supposed to think about it?
0: Well, well, I, I I don't know. I I've never been impressed with Olivia Munn going back to G four. I mean, this isn't a bash Livia Munn thing, but I never, I personally never saw the appeal. I don't,
1: Actually, I don't even
0: know that I've ever seen anything with her. I, I mean, Frank loves her because Frank, frankly, we were not used to watch uh, G four every night. You know, until until they. He, isn't that bizarre? Like like he knew about some stuff. He, he like he knew about Assassin's Creed. So yeah, I didn't know about that's, that. Okay, that's, oh, yeah, because I watched G four. He used to watch G four, which was weird. So. Uh, we'll see what happens, and that comes out again next year's going to be stacked. Every year, stacked with superhero movies. Yes. All right. So this is this is bizarre and strange. And uh, I had I saw a tweet saying, "Why come up with anything original?" I guess. I think so- I
1: think this I think this is going to be Netflix's first swing and a miss. I don't know, because you're going to have... I'll be watching. <laughs> I, why? I <laughs> love the topic.
0: I loved Full House. I fucking hated it. And of course, it. when it ended, we were like, we want to see the story continue, and Netflix is going to be providing that next year with Fuller
1: House. What a service they are doing for
0: America. <laughs> so this is going to be uh, centered on the DJ character. Yes. Who was a Candace Cameron, who is now Candace Bore, who she did marry Pavel Bore of the Canucks. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're still married or not. Uh, Kirk Cameron's little sister. Yes. She was the older sister on the show, oldest sister. So as we center around her, character, DJ Tanner, recently widowed, much like the father originally. That? I remember watching the first show when it premiered. And and pregnant veterinarian. Her her younger sister and aspiring musician, Stephanie Tanner, Jody Sweeten. I thought she would have went to science or something. She was always a little science kid, I thought. And her childhood best friend, Kimmy Gibbler, who was good on the show. I like Kimmy along with Gibbler's feisty teenage daughter Ramona, moving to help DJ raise her two sons, rebellious 12-year-old JD and neurotic 12-year-old Max, because you can't have a normal kid ever, and soon to arrive baby, because you want to have the, you know, Mary-Kate and Ashley on the show, who looks like they're trying to get back on the show. Stamos is set to produce the show and reprise his role as a guest star, and they're trying to get back Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen, Dave Coulier, and Bob Saget, and Lori Loughlin uh, on the show. So, the show's going to be me. It's just at this point putting the pieces together to see what happens. Well,
1: according to um, Lori Laughlin, they said that they they don't really know. They know who's on the show, and they haven't really been talked to. They, they said that there was word that they wanted them on the show, but th- it's so very much in limbo that they have no idea what's going on. They don't know on. how it's coming together yet. Yeah. Um, she said that she doubts the Olsen twins have any interest in it. She said, but, yeah, if why they, would they? but if they did, she said it probably wouldn't be money, it would just be because they wanted to do it. They're, they're gajillionaires. Yes, exactly. Well, that's I think that was okay. what she was implying. They that. haven't been in anything since you know past probably right. twelve. No, years. That's what she was implying. It was it was if it, they, it doesn't it doesn't matter how much money they offer them if they don't want to do it they don't want to do. Sure, basically what I she's mean. Saying. They
0: had that empire with PlayStation games and toys and everything and dolls and memory they, cards. Maybe they, they had all the VHS stuff. Memory cards? Really? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, my my biggest question is: Will this be a traditional sitcom since? I can't picture Netflix having a studio audience and doing it or doing like a single shot show, sort of like Modern Family. You know, where shoot it like that. You know, where it's like you know that's the question to me, and whether the show can survive not having a studio audience, or can they make it clever enough to shoot it like a Modern Family show and have the writing be good enough to actually, you know, make right. it like that. What's interesting is that Bob Saget, who's an extremely filthy comedian. Even in the '80s, when he was casting the show, all his fellow comedian friends thought it was the biggest joke ever. This guy's a filthy guy. He's playing a wholesome father. Yeah. You know, he, he's coming. If he comes back to the show, we'll see. Um, the original show, though, it, one of the things I well, the show was enjoyable. I watched when I was a kid. Everyone watched Tgif. You know, the worst part though was that you know you had the tender wrap up moment in the past in the last five minutes. Always when it was like, yeah. Yeah, here's the heart fill, Here comes the music. Sit on the bed. This is what you did wrong. The, the reason I hate sitcoms, and Frank's hates sitcoms, and why you should hate sitcoms. They are based upon lies and deceit. Yeah, there's always some deception going on, or some weird thing that get tries to get covered up, and it always comes back to bite him in the ass. You know, that's most most sitcom plots. Um, and we really need another round of that for this version of the show or again will they go in some weird direction you know that, that's all i just think it's interesting obviously you don't care
1: no i, I really have no interest in this whatsoever I, I i will not i will not pay it any attention
0: whatever happens to predictability me the pen boy. i, I think TV. i think we've
1: found it right here with another rehash of a, of a tv show <laughs> that's predictable time for the q
0: a on the cu podcast. This is from at blh productions. So what do you what so you think? I guess what do you think about Goodwill taking bids on select items like game Services? Well, they've been doing this for like six, seven years at least. Uh, Goodwill's auction site for everything. It just means that you don't find them in the stores anymore. Depending, depending on your area, nothing's in the stores anymore. At your Goodwill. No. They, they take it off the shelves. I mean, it's good for Goodwill. They're going to get their maximum profit if they put it online. What's interesting though is that six years ago, you could still get deals. Five years ago, you could still find deals. Right. Uh, one of the last big games I got or needed was Swordmaster. Uh, one of the rarest NES games that no one ever talks about is Swordmaster. You pr- you probably only seen it in your shop like twice, uh, like more, less than a Zombie Nation. You know, yeah. And,
1: I, I've seen, yeah. I think twice is actually exactly how many times I've seen it. And
0: I got it in a Goodwill auction at the, at the time. The, the game was only worth about worth about thirty dollars, maybe thirty five. I got the Goodwill auction lot twenty NES games with Swordmaster for like thirty dollars, recoup my cost. Since then, though, even the past three years, you can't get a deal anymore. There's no hidden. Goodwill auctions anymore. No. If there's a Dinosaur Peak that's not listed, even in the auction, everyone's looking at every picture and searching it out. If there's a, a state
1: event events that shows up, it'll be found there. With the Goodwill auction site, the, the thing is... <laughs> the thing is... Um, yes, less people's eyes are going to be on it than eBay, but enough eyes are going to be on it to ensure that you do not get a deal. And plus
0: there's less auctions and overall so there's more it's it's like the magnification on those sure. and they're all resellers i look at some of these auctions and i wonder how how many of these sellers can make any profit are they making a four percent profit margin are they all killing each other to go out of business and you know driving each other into the ground i, I don't know how they're making a profit i'm just being honest it's like i don't get it i edit out my head I'm like okay this is worth this i'm like. That looks like 20 bucks. They're spending
1: $250 to make $30. No. You know, it doesn't make any sense. I have to explain that to people all the time. As a matter of fact, I did today. Um, It's an innocent enough question, you know. But I I had two guys who were coming in looking at Nintendo and Super Nintendo stuff, and they were picking up some some titles. And they asked a very common question Do you guys, like, order stuff? Do you guys get stuff off eBay? Do you go to flea markets? Do you, uh, or or is it all traded? And I'm like, I said, Ever since I've worked here, everything has been traded. And even more so now, I explained to him, I said, guys, if you go to... If I went to the flea market to pick up stuff to sell here, 50% of it, I'd be paying more than I charge for it. I'd be losing money. And the stuff that I do find for cheaper than I sell for here, I'm not going to make any profit off. I'm going to make minimal profit off of. There's... And this is why it, it, it ties into that question we always get, like, how do you open a video game store? Modern times, you don't. Unless you have your own collection that you're willing to sell off, you can't open a retro game store. Why? Because you can't possibly get the stock at a price that's going to let you sell it for a Unless profit. Unless you
0: take a loss on your starting inventory.
1: Right. And you would have to take a huge loss on it and hope that you offer good enough buyback prices that you get some trade enrollment. So that you're, your you're
0: working at an operating loss for the first year or year and a Easily. half. Easily. This is uh, at at that ass is my boss, which is a great Twitter handle. <laughs> Your printer trouble reminds me of the Game Boy printer, so I must ask, what's the weirdest game peripheral you've ever, you'd, you've ever used? Roll rockers up there—that's
1: um, for sure. That's a really strange one. Sure, uh, I think I just for novelty's sake once used uh, what they call it a uh, shock and rocker uh, for the Neo Geo Pocket Color or Shock and Rock, uh, your Rolling Rocker comment threw me off. It's called Shock and Rock, and it was just a dock for the Neo Geo Pocket Color with, like, more booming speakers and, like, a fatter (laughs) handle. I I always had those for the game Yeah, and I think they had worked, like, uh, some sort of rumble in somehow, which is funny because the Neo Geo Pocket Color does not have any rumble support. So I don't know how I they were it. yeah, how maybe they were doing it.
0: Maybe sound effects Maybe it-
1: yeah, maybe like the ba- that's probably what it was actually. Like anything that was bass. slightly bassier, maybe they amplified all so that you at least felt it, no treble, all about that bass. Oh god. Um but yeah, I mean that's probably the weirdest thing I've used uh, along with other handhelds. Like I did have the entire like fold out nonsense fucking thing for the original DMG cuz you know, a relative got it for me for Christmas.
0: Now the weirdest weirdest thing is still in that closet that you helped document with, for me for the epic seven part Pat's Ultimate Media Game Collection series. You love shooting that. <laughs> no. That was already weird. shot that two years ago. Oh, that was good. 2013. So that was a fantastic time. Uh-huh. A great times. I think we should do another update. Uh. That. <laughs> and so, anyway, that's going to be
1: a rainy NES punk day. That peripheral will come out. Um, I will say real quick weirdest one I used Ridge Racer for JogCon. Um, That's the, it's the one with a wheel in the center, a jog wheel in got, the I center. should have got that at Portland. I saw it at Portland. I think I have two floating around my house. If I have an extra one, we'll discuss I've n- it. I've never seen it. We'll discuss it. I've never seen it, it So it has a jog wheel in the center. What's interesting about it, and I've actually beaten Ridge Racer close to 100% using the jog con, even though it's not particularly intuitive, um, it actually has force feedback. So it does, like, wrestle with you on turns, which is really fucking cool. Um, and I have used the NegCon as well, which was also a Ridge Racer controller. Is that the gray one that's on the side? Yeah, it's got a, No, it's got a pivot in the center, and you kind of twist. I don't think I've not seen that Kind one. of twist like that to move. So uh, those would probably be the weirdest peripherals. Is that in Samba de Maracas? Shit, the more I think about it, the more weird peripherals I've used.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at, over there at the side at some of them. I mean, that super controller is really weird. That's sure. what you, just, you just place it on the con- NES controller. I, I, I've had those. The docking bay one where you just literally throw the controller in the bottom of the joy. It's the cheapest thing ever. I don't know how they got away with it. You put the... It's a docking bay for the NES. I have one somewhere. You put the controller inside the bottom of the joystick, and so it just hits the buttons on the yeah. NES pad. So it's not really its own controller. It's just like a, a huge casing for the controller. Mm-hmm. And hell... All all the Quick Shot NES controllers, the huge ball Quick Shot controller, which I always thought was a was a rollerball. It's not a rollerball. Uh, it, it clicks. It, and, it just clicks. It's, it's weird. Eight
1: ways. It's so bizarre. Like, why would you use that? What what game did they have in mind for that? I think they went halfway saying we can't
0: do a rollerball. It's too expensive. We'll
1: just we'll just use it, lose
0: the plastic casing for that. Trackballs
1: balls aren't that fucking expensive.
0: It's not like there's a lot to them. All right. Next is at Cinepulsive. Have you beaten a game if you don't own 100%? Absolutely yes. you have. What is this, fucking homework? I,
1: <laughs> you gotta go through every nook and cranny of a game and spend 40 hours? I fucking despise the idea that you haven't beaten a game if you don't 100% it. Um, some of that shit for 100% is frustrating. I'm playing games to have fun. If I've seen the ending credits roll, I've beaten it. I, I don't have to have everything unlocked. I don't have to have all the time trials perfect. If... Like I said, if you've gone through all the levels, if you've played through the game, if you've seen the end credits, you've beaten it.
0: What, what, what ass is, is trying to step to you? It's like, oh, you're not a real gamer? You didn't sp- spend
1: 8,000 hours on Skyrim? Or something? Like, it's like, what is this, work? In fact, I think I've only ever 100%ed one game, and it was our type Final. I 100%ed Contra. That's what I wanted to say. This is from John Bender. Did you fight the crowds on Record Store Day? Has the special release list gotten too big? Taking the fun out of the day. Absolutely. uh, It has taken the fun out of it for me. Um, Record Store Day started off as a very small, very cool thing. And honestly, for the owners, it's still cool for them. And I want want these businesses to make money. I always want record stores to be around. I want physical shops. And they make a lot of money on Record Store Day. But the problem is, is it has outgrown itself. Um... The release list, so to explain to you, someone who doesn't exactly know how it's done, on Record Store Day, they release a shitload of exclusives. Okay? there's nationwide exclusives which generally tend to come in uh, they're generally easy to find and then there's regional exclusives which get very difficult to find and basically people line up at record stores now and it's like fucking pre-ordering an Amiibo or crushing for a new system it's just a mess of humanity p- pouring into a store, literally just grabbing everything they can and destroying the bins I don't like crowds, I don't like stressful situations, I love records there's always some exclusives I want every year, you know what I do? I wait two weeks until after Record Store Day when the scalpers realize they can't get the high prices they're asking, and before the prices go back up again, they will dip, and I pay the $10 more than what I would have at Record Store Day, and I get what I want, and it saves me the fucking hassle. Scalpers, scalpers, everywhere scalpers. Yep. At Dave Van Damnet. Ooh,
0: Damnet Is that like a... Is is that one, a is <laughs> your one-stop site for Van <laughs> News? I was. Um, since the PS4 and 1 have no backwards compatibility and very few exclusives, do they hold
1: any advantage to a PC with a gamepad and big TV? Hmm. I would say yes, and it's the same answer I've always given. Um, consoles are pretty much idiot-proof. Uh, I'm kind of a computer idiot. Um, you drop a game into a console, even with an install now, it installs, it plays. Uh, well, providing it's not broken out of the gate. Um, I don't want to have to worry about my computer specs running a certain game. Sure, um, I, I realize that at some point I probably should make a transition slowly to PC gaming. There's a lot of stuff on there that I would like to play. But as of right now something like a PS4 for a modern day console is just fine for me because it's I plopped out of my couch turn it on, no worries. What about the Steam Machine? That looks like a nice sort of in between. I
0: uh, powerful, not, not too
1: much money. Not on my radar, it's but somewhat idiot proof because you're not going to be installing lots of software on it or doing much with it. I mean, that's fair. I mean, I I I, def- I, blah, blah, blah. I
0: definitely look into that, but I don't. know. And that should be powerful for the next four or five years. What's interesting to me is that
1: how much more power you need year after year. It's like, you think there'd be an ending point, but it just keeps going up and up. No, well, they know. keep finding ways to push it. I mean, so, you know, and, and, games are fun and games are a good way to show off what you can do I mean, with this newfound power. Yeah,
0: GTA five and PC. I mean, full specs, obviously it blows away anything on that. I'm oh, sure. You know, the Xbox one or PS four. Uh, this is a very interesting question from at niem niemla. Hey, Karen, could there have been an NES mouse and how would it have changed anything?
1: Um, yeah, there could have been. I mean, I guess. I mean I'm I'm sure the technology could have been there we have the technology. technology we could make it better. Yeah, it would have been great for certain games. Um off the top of my head, Maniac Mansion needed a mouse. Any of the point clicked. King's uh, Quest five? Uh King's Quest five. Um Shadowgate the, I was gonna say the Mac Venture series, so Shadowgate, Uninvited, and Deja Vu. vu. Um, even games like uh, Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune where you have to pick uh, letters or something click 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 instead of oh that'd be fantastic instead of searching around so yeah I mean great call Uh, there could have been there should have been and it would have made a lot of games more playable hell even for golf games it could have been it could have been nice yeah sure no, there's um, a lot of uses. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of uses for a, for how, Nintendo how Mouse. How about
0: the uh, the prototype which has never been found though, but they were developing it, uh the SimCity City on the NES. That would have been perfect for that. Yep, that would have been good for one. Uh even games like uh, North and South. Yeah, yeah, why not? Any any really RPG, mouse on one hand, controller in the other, that would work fine.
1: You know, it would have been nice. Um yeah. Smash TV could have been cool with the mouse and one controller. So you could Constantly shoot in the direction that you wanted to and move. How'd you do it with the mouse though? Cursor, I guess. I, I uh,
0: never, whatever. I never like, I never liked aiming with cursors. But just the two, the two uh, D pads, uh, Bard's, Bard's tail? Bard's Tale, yeah, have and, and anything like that. It'd be cool if someone, if someone could develop one. That would be. I mean, obviously, you have to like do a whole new interface, but that would be outstanding just to see it work.
1: Did uh, videoimation so you can draw? Did Wrecking Crew have a level creator? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that would have been great. Sure, why not? like
0: We can go on. Someone out there making NES mouse. And surprisingly, that's the only thing that there was never any any talk of anyone ever talking about. Hell, a sewing machine, sure, but a mouse?
1: No mouse. No. This is from this is from Jared Roberts, Mister Jared, Mister Jared Roberts. To you, uh, thoughts on trading, borrowing video games in today's age compared to kids back in the day? Is there a need anymore? Thanks. Um. I mean, there's a need if you if 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 there's a need for you. I mean, if you and your friends are buying a bunch of games and you want to swap, yes, it I does not feel like it happens like it used to in the neighborhood among kids. But I think that's just because we're we're older now. Um, also, with things like sales and whatnot, you can get. I mean, you can get games back. Uh, I mean, you can get games cheaper. The other thing I would point out is. When a game comes out, especially because a lot of these are so online-heavy right now, um, you you want to you want to be in at launch so that you can experience the game at the same time your friends are experiencing which means that you can't lend your game to a friend because you both are going to need copies to say, play the online RPG story mode, whatever, at the same time. So, I think there are little things that would make lending games difficult. For me, games are too long now to borrow. Like, back in the day, you lend me Rampage, I play it for three days, I send it back to you. You lend me a 40-hour RPG, when do you want it back? Because it's going to take me two months to get to it. You borrowed a game from me three years ago, I don't remember which one it was. Like, no, I, like still 360. Have, I still have your Fire Pro. No, the three sixty game you bought. I with. never borrowed a three sixty game from you. I think you did. I've looked through my library. I have not borrowed a single game from you other than Fire Pro Returns.
0: We got we gotta play Fire Pro Returns. Which I
1: bought you for your birthday.
0: Bought <laughs> <laughs> it for my birthday like two years ago. Yes. Was it
1: two years ago? Uh three years ago. Three years ago I've had it for at least a year. You've had it for at least a year. And I don't need it because I have it on my PS3. And we should so then I, I wouldn't even realize it unless you just said that.
0: I just think it's funny. We should we should make our characters and we should do that. We should. That'd be fun. Um, This is from at underscore Sean Brennan four underscore. Ooh, that's that's a rough Twitter handle. (laughs) Have you come across any psychopaths when flea market marketing slash collecting? Other than Ian Frank? Yes, but mostly sellers. He said he loves those guys. He does love those guys. I'm not not sure why, but yeah, mostly the sellers uh, are the ones that are a little bit off the rocker or will flip on you. Or do something weird. Uh, one one story that happened, I used to go to uh, swap meet on a Friday. And a Friday uh, flea market at this location is very competitive. Like, this is, like, where all the sellers for the weekend get their stuff. So you, you realize that going in. It's like it's like it's it's a lot smaller, a lot more compact. You run around. Right. So I, I guess there was a seller that had given out his number to me and two other uh, guys. Two other guys that are big sellers. One owns a record store. Uh, the other one sells at Mary's swap, swap meets so now sells this one. And then, so me and this other uh, seller, we, we, we usually we never compete with each other when we find stuff. You know, if there's stuff, we work out. Hey, you get that? I get that. It's very cordial. This other guy, though, went out of his fucking mind when he saw us there. So it was like he was trying to hide games. Like the stuff was in the back of this seller's car, and he was like, "Oh, this is mine." Trying to put it aside, and then me and this other seller were looking at the stuff and just looking at this guy like, "What the fuck is like? What, what what is wrong with you?" It's like we're not, we're not posturing. We're not. Being aggressive, we're just looking at the stuff, or are looking to see what's in there. That's showing our tail thumbs. And, and so this other guy's going out of his mind. And finally, he starts bidding up on the stuff, but he bids against himself. Me and this other guy are keeping our mouths shut because we realize the only way you win in a situation like this is not to play Right for everyone. Yeah. You, you never bid against other people because they'll, they'll do it to you, and then you drop the price of everyone. You either share the stuff or you let one person have it. So he said, all right, I'll give you 200 bucks for stuff. No, I'll give you $300. i will give you 400 No, I'm not going to compete against these guys. I got a, I got a kid and a wife. And I thought like I was saying, first of all, asshole, I don't give a shit about your personal life. We all have personal lives. you know. But second, you are being to- totally out of your mind, and you're bidding yourself up. The, the stuff, me and, me and the other seller uh, looked at this stuff, and we realized the, the value of the stuff in there was maybe 350 to $375. He bid about the price it was worth, if all the systems worked and all the games were there and not even counting for the time. Hey, Hey, people that want to sell games. Time is money. Yes. And so he was going to have to bust his ass to break even or make a little bit of a profit, even marking this stuff up. Biggest, one of the weirdest things I'd ever seen. Like, yeah. I mean, really just, strange. Just
1: a case of shooting you know, yourself in your own foot.
0: Another seller was a guy that I'd spent hundreds of dollars on. Like we thought, I thought it was cool with him. You know, um, Always had a lot of. He always yeah hey, I got some, I got some, uh, you know, like, uh, some computer games. I want you to take a look at this. Sometimes I'll set aside stuff for you to look at before I put it out. I'm like, all right, fine. I mean, nothing gold. He knew what the value of the stuff was, but he gave me like half value, you know, for half value. So one time he had about 15 or 20 sealed computer games from the 80s. And I love collecting computer games. Um, there were a few of the gold box Dungeon Dragon games, and there was about 15. Or so games that ones I never heard of. And the thing about comp- collecting computer games is that if you never heard of it, it's probably worthless. That's where we are with computer games. Even if the game's hard to find, it's not worth that much. <coughs> no one's even selling them to even have a price. So he's like, all right, you know, I know what you do. And my like, first of all, I know what I do. Like, I'm not s- going to sell these computer games. You know, look at my garage. All the computer games are in there. I'm, I'm, a, man- I'm a maniac. Anyway. Yes. I start pricing these games out, and yes, okay, Dungeon Dragon. Okay, these can worth forty bucks, fifty bucks at least. This is good stuff. Okay, no one has them sealed, but okay. Then, look at the other games, five dollars. There's none on here. This is worthless. This is probably worthless. So, I'm not gonna go through twenty games. I'm on my freaking phone. Reception is not the best. I said, listen. I said I'm gonna ballpark this for you. I'm gonna be, and I've been honest with him totally the past four. I'm usually honest with everyone. I'm like, this stuff is probably worth like three hundred dollars. So, I'm just going to average it out and I'll give you 150. I'll give you the average. I said, some of this stuff is, is worth 30 bucks, 40 bucks. Some, f- and most of this, this is over here, $5. Dollar. I can't spend an hour and a half here looking at all the prices, though. The guy flipped out. He flipped out of me. I didn't say this stuff was worth 20 bucks. I didn't say this stuff was worth 10 bucks. I said, this stuff's worth $300 and I'll give like 150 bucks. Even I might I have mean, been, it's, I it's, might it's, been off $50 one way or the other. Sure. You know what I mean? But the bo- the bottom line is he flipped off he flipped out at me. He said, "Oh, you're gonna give me the average price of it," and it's like it's like all right, asshole. And then he took the box back, put it back away, didn't offer a counter, didn't say, "Oh, I know this stuff is worth this, motherfucker." If you're gonna come in with the attitude, then you price out the gains beforehand. Don't let me do the work for you and get pissed or do part work. You do the work then. I'm doing you a favor by spending my time and going through it and trying to educate you and giving what I think is a fair uh, value for it, and then then you respond with what you think is fair. If, Don't if, blow if, up on so me.
1: If, uh, uh, yeah, I'm on your side here. I mean, honestly, if you think it's worth $300, i would probably have offered him 200 But what well, all that really matters is that you flat out told him what you thought it was worth and then made an offer. If he didn't like the offer, that's all he had to say. Even if...
0: Even if, if he thought I was lowballing him at 150 or so, I think that, I, you know, I think the way in my head, I think I averaged it, if there was 20 games, I think I averaged it at $15 a game, something like that. And I told him, like, that's how, how I'm looking at it. So I'm, I basically offered him, I think I offered him, yeah, something, I think I offered him like $8 per game, or it might have been even a little more, I mean 160 Is that, yeah, then you do the homework, and you, you, you do your counter to me. I haven't said to him, listen, I wasn't trying to be honest, listen, this is really neat, niche stuff. Not a lot of people are into '80s computer games, and you—if you sell them to someone else, they might—they might offer you less. They might offer you more, but there's a lot of games in here that aren't worth anything. That's Or
1: they're, they're gonna pick all the good shit out and yes, leave you. Yes, they're gonna take
0: those Dungeons and Dragon gold ones, where they'll be able to sell those. Maybe yeah. they ain't
1: selling the games that no one's ever heard of, even if they're sealed. They're not because there's they're not. Well, I've experienced that sometimes at work where um, you know people will come in and you know they'll have. Some good games, really good games in the box, and then they have a lot of crap, and I offer them some money, and they're like, Well, I know this is worth this and this, and then and they don't want to sell. I'm like, Fine, then go sell those to someone and watch your top guns and everything else that I actually would have given you money for, uh, even though I have fucking you know 25 what? copies of it. I, I, this is all you're, you're me. never going to sell. Them. You know what? I think I'll offer them like 180.
0: I think I'll offer them like 9 bucks a game or something for 20 games. I think that's, yeah, I'm getting more angry. Anyway, I never dealt with him again. He it was a total disrespect towards me because I spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars and had the nothing but you know what I mean. And then after that, I don't even look at his, look in his direction anymore. Go fuck yourself.
1: All right, take a deep take a deep breath.
0: This uh- is from at Burn Esque. How do you reconcile being a fan of someone and then finding out they did something terrible? That's a tough question, and it's one I I struggle with myself. Uh, when you talk about. People have done some, either allegedly had done some horrific things, uh, like Woody Allen, Roman Polanski are two big ones that are quote unquote geniuses in their fields, and then you find out they're done some maybe some horrific stuff. It's it's really tough sometimes.
1: You can separate the art from the artist, but sometimes it's tough. Yeah, it's like Roman Polanski and Woody Allen. I, I don't really have any interest in them because of that. Um, my my quick example uh, is from the world of music. Um, on one hand, you have a band like Crystal Castles, uh, Gary Glitter. The, the people don't really seem like likable people. Um, I, I think they'd probably be annoying, uh, and they've been kind of assholes in interviews. But they've written songs that I like, so I like them because they haven't harmed anyone. They're just shitty kind of assholes. Which Whatever, it's fine. So I can separate that. Yeah. I can separate the art from the people. Now, another band that I really liked, Surfer Blood. Um, allegations came out that he was a uh, woman beater. And now I just can't listen to the music. Was was he ever convicted or was just the allegation? It, it, that's the thing, and, and that's what makes this tough. Makes it it's allegations, and on my end, because of stories that sort of corroborate and the fact that he even sort of admitted that some things went down, but... Maybe not the way that the media is reporting it. I have three Surfer Blood record albums now that I can't bring myself to listen to, and they were great albums. They're fucking excellent albums, and I I can't do it. Yeah, it's a toughie. It's a toughie. I hate this. I hate to say, it, not that all
0: all big artists did something bad. But a lot of the big or most creative artists were assholes. Yes. They just, that's just how they are. I
1: can deal with assholes. Yeah. I d- you don't I want them to do something deal, right for someone. Yeah. yeah, I can't deal with someone who's going to hit a woman. I can't deal with someone who's going to rape someone. I can't deal with someone who's involved in you know bloody crime. I, I can't do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so that I means we don't watch Naked Gun ever again with O.J. Simpson in it. We can't do that. <laughs> uh, Cesar Hernandez. Is it worth buying collecting different console versions of the same game? Um here's my answer modern times no certainly not why why would you um just pick the one that seems like it's going to be better they're going to largely be the same games now, where that is not so true is in the 16-bit era, where games like Aladdin were completely different between the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis. Um, games like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters were very different among the different systems. Even
0: some of the sports games, like the EA games, were so supposedly different, at least in gameplay or some features, like the Madden NHL ones.
1: Yeah, I mean, NHL, I mean, whether it's true or not, NHL was always considered better on the Genesis. It just always was growing up. Um, Madden was always more of a, a Super Nintendo franchise. So, in that era, yeah, because these developers were trying to play to the strengths of each system. So because of that, you're oftentimes going to get extremely different experiences uh, under the same name. This one's from Todd Matthew, The Low Highway. Uh, thoughts on Jerry Seinfeld calling YouTube a giant garbage can of user-generated content? What's uh, the deal with YouTube? It's neither tube nor you! I think I don't get it. I I kind of agree with him, but I also think he's a giant garbage can. So I don't, I don't really care. (laughs) I I think,
0: I think uh, Jerry's a guy. well, I think he's like sixty almost by now. Um, Say what you will about his stand-up. I I think his stand-up is good. It's just not my thing. Um, Obviously, the show was good because it had Larry David, who was a genius, a, a manic genius, working on the show.
1: Another asshole.
0: I love Larry. David. Yeah, no, I'm just <laughs> saying. But
1: another, but another but, creative
0: asshole. Yeah, but, but a fantastic asshole. I mean, Kirby Enthusiasm is brilliant. And once you watch Kirby Enthusiasm, you realize he, he was George Costanza, and he was the genius behind Seinfeld. Right. That's that's the difference. Look look what Seinfeld has done after Seinfeld. Look what Larry David did. You know, and Seinfeld. The only thing Seinfeld has done is interesting was uh, comedians and cars getting coffee, which is basically just shooting the shit with comedians. Which... Well, he did the B movie. Oh, that B was movie. great. He did that show about. <laughs> he, did, he did that show. He tried to do that show about the wives, the wife's uh, what do you don't like about your spouses? I was like three, four, five years ago Yeah, that face—that's the reaction. You should have. Okay. And then comedians will react to what they're. It was terrible. Anyway, um, so okay, what is this giant garbage can? I think, I think it's more like a dumpster. There's
1: good stuff in there. You just have to weed through and find it. I mean, when when you think about YouTube, so everyone who watches YouTube is a crust punk who goes dumpster diving. Sure, why not? Uh, okay, sure, why not? <laughs>
0: okay. When you think about YouTube, though, I think Seinfeld's looking at it from a way as that 99% of YouTube videos no one is ever going to watch. They're uploaded, and the person that uploads them sees them, or maybe they're a couple of friends. i say 99% of videos don't
1: get more than 20 views. The only things I upload are just... To, it, it's simply because I want to share a video over, like, 10 seconds long. I mean, it's not intended to be viewed. And I think well, a lot of people use YouTube sure, like that.
0: And that's probably what he's thinking of. He's not thinking of well-produced content. He's not thinking of stuff... You know where lots of money gets put in. He's not thinking of high quality podcasts. You know he's thinking of just he, he, that's he's he's thinking of a very old fashioned way of thinking of the media versus yes. what it is now. He's not thinking of the potential. He's thinking of how when TV started out, it was basically glorified radio using that so you can see the people on. Yeah. The, you know what I mean? That he's not thinking of the honeymooners and how it shortly evolved and went from there. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? He's thinking of that's what he's thinking of, or even. Um, the original films were basically acted out stage plays. The first yeah. sound films were stationary camera, you're basically doing a stage production, we just can't hear you. Yeah. That's that's how he's looking at YouTube, and how it was originally conceived, not what
1: it has evolved into. Think, speaking of Curb Your Enthusiasm... Uh, okay, Fabe Candy yes. Um Curb Stop curb stomp is being banned. Is WWE doing the right thing, or are they just crumbling to over-safety PR bullshit? I think they're crumbling to over-safety PR bullshit. Uh, when you look at the curb stomp, it's actually probably a very safe move. Yeah. So basically, I mean, the the the, the, the foot doesn't
0: come down on the head and come down on the, 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 the upper back, even the neck, but it's like the force is the person driving themselves like face first with their arms. They can brace themselves with their chest. I don't see it being any... More unsafe than a DDT.
1: Yeah, I, don't, I just don't. I mean, it, it's it, it it looks high angle, and it looks like it could be dangerous. But when you really pay attention to it, it looks like a like a, I'm already repeating myself. A fairly safe move. Not to mention that like. I mean, you're not actually jumping on the person's fucking head. Is this more so they don't want little kids doing this with each other? That's my guess. But kids have pile-driven each other and killed each other already. So what's the difference? Well, maybe they're trying to stop that. But, um, yeah, it's lame. Uh, and it's sad because all of these very unique moves, whether you like them or not, you're, slow- you're slowly seeing go away. Like, I used to love Dean Ambrose's old finisher. Um, and Dirty Deeds. Yeah, and he doesn't do that well, Which anymore. was a bulldog driver. Yeah. Yeah. And they, yeah, they got rid of that for a double
0: underhook DDT, which is
1: my like my favorite wrestling move. So it was okay, but for me, but enough I mean, of the DDTs. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh-huh. Everyone does a fucking DDT. It used to be the
0: deadly move. Now it's a transition. That's a whole other conversation. I don't want to talk about wrestling, but no, I all yeah. So so on Raw, uh, I did watch a little bit of, of Raw. It seems like the less I the less I watch of wrestling, the more of my life becomes, I guess, more fulfilling. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't want to hear let uh, Frank hear that. But he did he did a lame DDT. Uh, Rollins. I was like, oh, that's interesting. He didn't finish with a curb stomp. He finished with like a transition move. I guess that's going to be his new finisher. It hmm. was like almost an underhook DDT, but it wasn't.
1: Raul Romo. Was there any inspiration to be a game reviewer? Also, do you have a mentor who gives you advice? That's you. That's for you. No, I don't have a
0: mentor. I don't talk to anyone regularly about video game reviews per se. I do talk shop with a few different guys about I guess, YouTube in general, and video production, especially at conventions. Um, but in terms of actually being a game reviewer, I, I, I look at myself more as when I do the NES Punk stuff, it's more, to me, short films than, than video game reviews straight out, to be honest. Um, so in terms of inspiration... I guess you can say, uh, in terms of episodic content, that was definitely James. In terms of episodic content, maybe not this, maybe not the tone, obviously, but in terms of doing sort of like, all right, uh, doing having some sort of like storylines or some sort of bits. But in terms of my direct inspiration, I remember being on YouTube in two thousand eight. Slight like in two thousand eight, YouTube was taking off. It was taken off by two thousand seven, and seeing some just a lot of horrendous game reviews by. I mean, back in 2007, 2008, it was still sort of a uh, gatekeeper sort of role where uh, video camcorders were still expensive. HD was not adopted. HD really wasn't adopted regularly until about 2012, I'd say. Um, so, yeah, you still needed 500 $600 for a decent camcorder to do standard definition, and you still needed to figure out how to do editing. No one was using After Effects really yet. So not many people were doing it. So who were doing it? Who were making uh, reviews on YouTube were just... Snot-nosed kids, ignorant kids who didn't know much about old video games, using emulators, using their keyboard—you can hear them clicking the keys, in there, keys and their keys—and using their fucking Gateway 2000 shitty microphones from like the year 2000, and basically free ball on it and doing awful game reviews, like really just bottom barrel fucking shit that was getting views just because that's all there was on YouTube. That was the only reason why. So I remember watching one for the Three Stooges. I love the Three Stooges. I love their, their humor. I love I loved the game. It's not the greatest game, but I think it's a pretty good game my for what fr- it is. My friend John adores that For game. what? To make a game with the Three Stooges? That's the best you're going to do. It's better than the Three Stooges arcade game. That's for sure. And the kid that did it, he was probably a 20-year-old, 20 21, who knows, not only didn't do any research to figure out that the Three Stooges were a hugely famous uh, comedy act, What the hell are the Three Stooges? Didn't do any research to know that any of the mini-games were based upon classic shorts, classic short films, and trashed the game and trashed the whole concept. So he didn't do any research and then dismissed the game outright. I'm thinking, I could at least do that. I could at least do that. But I know about these games. I know about the background. I could do the research and I could get a camcorder and go back to my limited uh, film knowledge from college and at least do something better than this bullshit. Right. So that's what I decided to do. And I didn't get the views right away. I didn't get views. Um, I mean, people think that you can look at uh, the number of subscribers I have now. I It took me like two years to get a 1,000 subscribers on YouTube, maybe two and a half. It was a long time coming. I didn't get any of those breaks that some other guys did. I'm not bitter about them That's just how it worked out for me. Mm-hmm. But at the very least, I knew what the hell I was talking about with baseball stars, and Three Stooges, and a little bit with the Black Box games version, Top Secret episode, and the Power Pad games, and that first sort of run of games I did, and you know, I'll at least try to show that I had some knowledge about what I was talking about. Um, at Necro C, do you think more games are going to lead towards uh, Mortal Kombat X and evolve in, in Evolve's route on DLC, or do you think this model will crash? I
1: have no idea what he's talking about. You with <laughs> Mortal Kombat X, you tell me. So, I've been playing Mortal Kombat X, it's fantastic. It uh, it's a huge evolution for the series. Um, plays like an actual fucking fighting game, uh, and looks good. And I'm I'm enjoying it. Um, I haven't played Evolve. The DLC model on Mortal Kombat X and Evolve, though, are awful. Um, you buy the game for sixty bucks, and you're basically you're going to be you need to know going into these games that you are going to be very, very gently told that a $30 additional investment is going to be required. Um to with, what? Whether it's for maps and weapons and skins on uh, Evolve, or whether it's for new fighters in Mortal Kombat X. To buy uh, the fighters. To, yeah, uh, well, that's... A, dude, they've been doing that since Street Fighter. You, you buy... You, yes. Yes. Yes, this is the world we live in. Play a modern game. I mean, unfortunately... Or don't. That's a good reason not to. So, um, the, so anyways... Um, yeah, I think they're going to nickel... I, I, I think that sort of extreme uh, extreme charge is going... It's not going to last. Um, Mortal Kombat X is going to make it, and it's going to make it fine, because NetherRealm in the past has always made sure that you get, you get the content you pay for. So, it sucks that they charge you this additional 30, but you're not going to just get four characters. You're probably going to get eight to 12 more. Um, with Evolve, on the other hand, it's tanking Evolve sales on top of the fact that Evolve did not get good reviews. Mortal Kombat 10 got great reviews as long as you're not playing on the PC. Uh, Mortal Kombat 10 got fantastic reviews across the board and Evolve got really middling reviews. So, and, and, and a lot of Evolve's middling reviews are because of things that could fix the game and make it better is what they're charging for. Oh, with Mortal Kombat so. Ten, it's literally additional content that you don't need. I mean, the fact that no fighters have come out yet from Mortal Kombat, I think they start rolling them out in a week, and I've been having a blast with the game, does mean that you can just go out and buy the $60 version and play it and have fun with it. Um, one of the stupid things about Mortal Kombat Ten though, and really, if you buy these, it's your own goddamn fault. Uh, Mortal Kombat 10 has these things called easy fatalities. I heard about this. You can buy 5 for $5 or 30 for $30. And what they do is, is you still have to be in the proper range, but all you do is hold down R2 and press, I think, like triangle or circle for the two different fatalities, and you pull off the fatality. If you can't Fucking pull off a fatality, then don't play Mortal Kombat. It's not that hard. They have gotten way more forgiving since the first games. You can even whiff it once or twice and still occasionally pull it off. Like down, back, forward, triangle is that hard to fucking input as opposed to hold down R two and, and and triangle. It's just it's it's the dumbest shit.
0: Doesn't get me on the side of Mortal Kombat's a real fighting game when they're selling. Let's see the gory cutscene at the end of the fight, and we're gonna charge you for it. Doesn't instill still, with any confidence, want to actually play? I'm just saying, I'm just throwing it out there. It's just really ch- cheap and shitty.
1: Yeah, and it's yeah, really cheap around. and shitty that all fighting games have been doing this for years. You only this is the only of- one that has paid fatalities? Are you kidding me? Right, and you don't need them because real players are just going to input them. Yes, it's a money but that's, grab. It's but a but, money, all, but yeah. all fighting games have been money grabs for five years. Yeah, well, that Your problem right. with Mortal Kombat is it's right. it deeply more personal than it's what not, you're making not, it out to be. It's not deeply more personal. And I'm, but, I'm not even a Mortal Kombat fan. Mortal now, Kombat 10 turned me F- a fan.
0: Fatality is a gimmick. It's not needed for the game and the no. gameplay. It's a total gimmick, and now we're going to pay you to, to have that gimmick access easier. It just, yeah,
1: but whatever. it's not hard in the first place.
0: I know, but either way, it doesn't. It doesn't. No, it looks
1: but, stupid. It looks stupid as shit.
0: I guess that's how they did it on Coden O'Brien when he played it. When Conan get into the video game stuff, they they had him play uh, with the two guys uh, before the Super Bowl on the teams, and they 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 put in old. I guess the the finishers easily.
1: Yeah. No. I mean, I I don't know. Whatever. It's it's yeah. I that's don't, like I don't think DLC like this is going to be able to support itself for much longer. I mean, when you buy a game for sixty, and then they're like, hey. Okay, we're going to Mario, like Mario Kart, we're going to give you half of what we've already sold you again for $13. Just Great. That's fine. That's fine. You gave me a full game and you want to add 16 more tracks to it? I'll pay you for that. That's less than a dollar a fucking track. Plus new ra- uh, new racers. Uh, $30 for shit that probably should have just been unlockable in the game? Yeah. This is from uh,
0: Miss Ayers, or Ayers, what role have emulators and free ROMs had in the popularity of retro gaming? Do they affect sales at Luna? We, we touched upon this before. I think we have. I th- this is this is almost to me like the sort of I don't know. It's, it's almost like an MP3 Napster thing where exposure is always good. Now you can say something is technically illegal, mm-hmm. but exposure is good to get people into the scene. And uh, I speak for both of us that emulators and ROMs helped me. Helped me. I think Ian get back a little bit into it. You know, at when I was in college. I was playing, you know, when you're in college, you know, you discover the internet, you discover, it's not like you have an NES handy or tons of games you can play easily,
1: but you have an emulator uh, you can download. I, I, I did literally not stop playing my NES. So it didn't help me get back into anything. What it did was it helped me explore the uh, larger library. And then it gave me an idea of what I wanted to go out and buy first and what could wait. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily the same as Napster. I think it, uh, Napster thing where, where it helps. With Napster, you download a song, and for a lot of people, that's good enough. But for a lot of video game players, especially collectors, I think that this actually makes them want to go out and buy the system and play it again. Um, all I can say is that emulators have certainly not hurt our sales. I would argue that they've helped our sales. I can't necessarily prove it, but there have been people who have come in and been like, hey, can I get a copy of that? I played it on my computer, That's and I right. decided I need it.
0: Well, retro gaming is as hot as it's ever been. Yeah. Prices are as high as they' ever been, so it obviously hasn't hurt. I think it's funny. people. Some people in the comments don't just get it when talking about expensive games. Oh, well, I can get the entire... Download all the NES ROMs and I'll play
1: it on my computer. Good for fucking you. That's not what it's all about. No. It's different for different people. I can get the entire Apex Twin library downloaded in five minutes onto my computer, but I actually want to go out and find the albums. You want to experience the cartridge. You want the system. You want the hard,
0: real hardware. Yeah. You want hooked up to a TV. It's not. It's not exactly the same as oh, I can just download all the ROMs. It's like it's not even really just a sense of accomplishment. It's the affinity you have for them to show. I guess I guess the passion, dedication to show you are. I guess quote unquote a true fan enough to buy it too. That's part
1: of it. And I think I think it's it, the the general rule of piracy still. Um, still counts here. The people who weren't going to buy from you in the first place are still not yes, going to buy from going. you. You're not really losing any customers.
0: No. That, I always say that about movies. People say that, oh, downloading a movie. It's like, if I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go fucking... If I want to see Avengers Age of Ultron, I'm not going to see it on my little shitty laptop. No. Or or even on my TV with a shitty screener and blow it up and it'll look terrible with like huge, chunky pixels. I'm going to pay money to see in the theater. Yeah. You know what I downloaded it to, to see? Should I say it when it was when it was when it was leaked because it was terrible? Remember the Wolverine, the first Wolverine movie? Oh uh, yeah, It was fucking terrible. Sure, you know, I, like the, I, I didn't see it, but that was that was a morbid curiosity, you know, to see that. Right, I would never have paid to see that in the theater. You right, know what I mean, the reviews were abysmal, and it was abysmal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's something to be said about showing, the, you know, the I guess the dedication to do it because anyone could download, you know, seven hundred fifty ROMs. It takes a fucking maniac someone who's who's out of their mind to do this. That's what it comes down to. Yes. You know. And plus, plus it's a story you tell someone. Is it really that impressive? Some of go, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm into Nintendo games. Oh, let's see some. Oh, they're on my
1: computer. Versus, oh, I'll show you the cartridges and the boxes and it, stuff. It's a player versus collector argument. There are certain systems that I would buy an drive for and just be done with it. And then there are certain systems like the PC Engine that I'm always going to buy physical copies of games for. We have a gift, another gift. And this isn't... Uh, this We're not doing this to get you to send us packages. But if
0: you want to, send it to P.O. Box 7695, San Diego, California, 92167. That's the Pat P.O. Box, which will also double as the podcast. So, we've got something special here. Uh, I already looked at it before. We were sent a Raspberry Pi. A Pi Tendo, as it's called. Now, a Raspberry Pi... Um, These are, like, really miniature computers that you can do really whatever you want with. I think they run on Linux, I believe. Yes. And uh, here's the power supply for it. Here's the system. So people have been building these as emulator systems. (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's a nice case, and,
0: and it's you can buy ones that look like Nintendo cases too. Like, That's cute. I'm not into this at all in terms of I, I know, I've known about this for a couple years. My friend AJ, who loves Side Pocket, always tells me all the stuff you can do with the Raspberry Pis. And I don't know the difference between the regular Pi and the Raspberry Pi, but I do know that this is cool because there's an Ethernet cable, mm-hmm. there's an HDMI out, there's a USB, power, and four USB for hooking up.
1: Wow, here's a Super Nintendo USB controllers. That's cool. That's crazy. Or, so you could, do like, you could do Super Bomberman 2 or 4 players on that.
0: Or hell, I mean, you could buy an adapter like I have for the NES to USB and hook up a 4-score in one. I think it would work, in theory, with the emulator. It should. And then play 5 or 6 or 7 games. So this was sent from... What else is in here? Oh, and here's even... Oh, even a nice... Wow, even wow. a nice HDMI cable. So That is cool. So this will be cool because... Oh well, first of all, this is what the letter says. Pat and Ian. I'll just summarize real quick. Um, this is from a 33 year old sergeant in the U.S. Marine Corps. Really cool. Yeah. Won't say his last name. Don't want to get in trouble. But his name is. Uh, was, awesome. Let's call him Sergeant Ryan. All right. Let's do that. He's a fan, and he want he had an extra Raspberry Pi model B plus. I don't know anything about these. Know what that means? It's the it's, it's the nice model. He's, he's one of the pioneers of, of Emulation Station Which I guess is Maybe the, maybe it's the front end on this Oh okay So um, he's been working since 2013 Blah 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 um, He's built and sold over 40 of these To his marine brethren Wow <laughs> He says hey, I'm aware of the legalities of what I'm doing But my intentions are only to spread the joy Of retro gaming to young marines Who've never owned these consoles And don't have the money to drop on original cartridges Plus when you're in the desert You really have to go lug around this shit Or have Portability
1: this. <sighs> Yeah I don't yeah.
0: I don't really care Furthermore, many of these Marines deploy for six to eight months on naval warships without being able to bring their Xbox's PlayStations, and my gaming system will fit in your pocket. Speaking from experience, without my Pi Tendo, I would have surely gone stir crazy while aboard the USS Green Bay from September 2012 to May 2015. Holy shit.
1: So, what's on here? First of all, thank you, Ron. This is awesome. That's really cool. And And now, what's awesome is, like, that's going to be great for conventions. Like, the, like Play the Punk Challenges and stuff like you that. You got it. If I can, if, as long as you're in HDMI... Yeah. Screw hooking up a Nintendo and a Power Pack and trying to get things to run smoothly. Or
0: even in your hotel room afterwards, yeah. cool. decompressing.
1: Perfect. This is where, this is where you know what? Emulation, when it comes to portability and stuff like this...
0: Yeah. Th- this, so, what's on here? Thousands of games. Wow. even has... Oh, you, oh, you can do save states on here. You can controller can rewind, fast-forward, turbo. So, yeah, fully emulator. 11-plus NES games with box art. 11-plus? 1100-plus, sorry. <laughs> I guess Famicom as well.
1: Yeah.
0: Thousands of games for the twenty six hundred, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, Master System, Graphics, MAME, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, and a couple of Doom and du- Duke- 3D ports, and a select few PlayStation 1 games. Awesome! Oh, this is awesome. Yeah. This is absolutely awesome. There's instructions about to make sure you uh, shut it off the correct way where you can corrupt the card. He warns me not to do certain things, or else I'll be paying for a new memory card to mail out with me with the games on it. Um, yeah, thanks a lot. There's instructions, and I seriously want to try this out. You don't know be cool about this. Hell, we can hook this up to like a big TV. Yeah, just like.
1: I wonder if, I wonder if it upconverts when it looks. Either way, that's really cool. And I thanks mean, a lot. I was just thinking. I mean, for twenty six hundred games, my biggest problem is the freaking controllers on that. Like. If you could just sit down with a regular controller and play a 2600 game, it'd be a whole lot more enjoyable. I hate hate to say it, if I didn't want to... If I need to capture a 2600
0: game, I ain't fucking hooking up to the VCR and running it. I'm doing HDMI out. This is fantastic. This is like, screw the Retron 5, let's go Raspberry (laughs) Pi. Well, that's what most people have said. And he sent lots of instructions here. See, here's a picture of the Pi 10, though. You can buy the case for it. Oh, that's super fucking cute. You can buy the case. Looks like a Nintendo. I might actually do that. I mean, he already gave me... This working
1: one—that's adorable.
0: So I hope I just didn't send his phone number out when I put that. I blank that out. <laughs> his phone number was there. Double check. So hoorah! Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, and thanks for doing what you're doing and making really cool devices. Being one of the pioneers of the field, and I'm gonna keep this. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll screw around with this sometime, especially the name stuff. We can play on the TV. Sure. I want to set up right now. So that's it for this uh, very economical. Even though it started late, you don't know that out there in the audience. See you, podcast. We have a Patreon for the podcast. It's Patreon dot com slash Pixel Sickle. And with that, you can get the entire podcast in video form, as well as uh, some segments that are exclusive on Patreon, as well as some early. And Ian uh, has written for it before on there, uh, and I will do so again. He 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 does. Yeah. And then um, we will have a new t-shirt in the future. I will show you the design afterwards. That'll be exciting. And uh, anything else going on in Ian Land? I'm ready to go home. You haven't had to take a piss, which is really strange to me for once. So for Ian Ferguson, I am Pat Contry. Oh, we'll have a quick announcement now. We'll we'll talk about it more as we go on. We're going to be at Too Many Games. Oh, yeah, we will be. In uh, Pennsylvania at the end of June. Um, So if you're in the tri-state and Pennsylvania area... Uh, be on the lookout for that. We're going to do an announcement video on on the YouTube's, and that'll be fun. So don't don't sign up until you see our announcement video. Cause I have a special link that if you click over me and Ian, it's something for that I think. Um, so anyway, we're heading off. I have a burrito uh, in the fridge. It's good to eat at 11:40, but I'm starving right now. So for Ian Ferguson, I am a hungry, Pat country and tired. Somehow made it through. We will see you next time with hopefully more Zack Snyder news. <laughs>